Hi, do you want to go to a party with me? No, the game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. It's a Next Level Nerd Sports Podcast, and tonight a special bonus episode. Bronson and I are excited to break down the MLB season. We are recording on the eve of opening day. It's Wednesday, March 29th, and all 30 MLB teams get underway tomorrow. And Bronson, this is kind of uh, my you know, favorite, one of my favorite episodes, me being the resident Dalai Lama, as you call me with baseball <laughs> and uh, excited. I know you're excited because like you said, it's your childhood love and you still try to follow it. And you, uh, you're excited to throw some questions my way and kind of probably going to probably going to hear me talk more than Bronson tonight, but I know he'll get his time in the sun with hockey episodes and other things. But uh, Bronson, I'm excited that you're joining me for this baseball preview and I'm a, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. Yeah, no problem. And like I said, yeah, this, this guy's, this episode's kind of more me kind of, if anything, kind of being the MC tonight and kind of teeing this up <laughs> to Frank. This is one of his shows and we, we give him the spotlight as we uh, cover baseball and Frank's watching, I think the MLB network, like pre season preview. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching uh, the top 10 great Pittsburgh Pirates uh, from Pittsburgh. The show on John Wiener right now, Frank Rock, his uh, last home run at Three Rivers, the last ever home run at Three Rivers Stadium. Yep. The Carrick but, native, I'm sure Neil Walker on the list. David yeah, Bednar. they showed a couple clips of him with the with the Pine Richland jersey on him. He torched Elwood quite a bit, so I remember that. But anywho, but no, this is the episode we just we put the spotlight on the, our residential Dalai Lama. Uh, I gave Frank that nickname because Dan Patrick gave that to um peter gammons years ago and ah i never heard the just, origin yeah that's the origin of it he calls peter gammons the dalai lama and frank uh ever since i've known him ever since growing you know going to high school with him growing up it just uh almost encyclopedia like knowledge of the game of baseball and, and i've always asked him for years about baby this, this is the guy i go to if i have any questions about baseball he knows it barnes he a close second i mean we mm-hmm. all know the we all know the 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 genius that is uh, Ryan Alexander Barnes, but Barnes he's a pirate like, expert. I I kind of cover the whole league. <laughs> yeah, he got more pirates than you're you're yeah. more of the whole league. But um, but now looking forward to to hitting Frank with some stuff going on here. And uh, did you want to go? Did we go pirates first and MLB second? Or you want to go MLB first and pirates second? I start out with our Pittsburgh Pirates. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> so the 2023 version of the Pirates. You know, last year finishing 62 and 100. Another subpar pretty abysmal season um the the perpetual quote rebuild that's always taken place in pittsburgh you know minus the the 2013 14 15 run where they made the playoffs three straight years but uh you know the pirates with the the spending the bob nutting as team owner not wanting to commit a lot of payroll to this team um they have to build through the draft and uh drafting and developing and it just hasn't gone well for you know, the last probably, I guess, what's that now, six, seven years yeah. where, they've, where they've been either last place or next to last place because the Reds have been bad. But, um, you know, every year there's kind of there's always optimism this time of year until they kind of, you know, fizzle out after a month or two. But, um, you know, everybody seems to think that this Bucko team is primed for a 2024 or 2025, you know, kind of um emergence as a contender um even even major league experts not in pittsburgh with the rose colored glasses on um 
kind of predict the Pirates will be a factor in 24 and 25. The the top five picks are starting to pile up and and starting to get to the to the time where they're going to be making their major league debuts. And they have a minor league system that's you know generally ranked in the top 10 by most experts. Some of them have them in the top five. Um, you know, the drafts have gone well over the last five or six years. Guys like Nick Gonzalez are close. Um, Henry Davis, the first overall pick a few years ago, the catcher is, is getting closer. Um, that last year's number one pick, Termar Johnson, a couple years away. Um, Travis Swaggerty, a first round pick is ready. Uh, so they're hoping that these guys all come up and they all hit and, you know, kind of the stars, the planets have to align to for the Pirates to, to do well because they don't spend money. But, you know, this year's version, they tried to add a little bit of veteran presence on the cheap. You know, they made some free agency signings that weren't, you know, the the $300 million deals that some of the big market teams yeah. are making. But you're going to see a new a lot of new faces. You know, I was talking to my dad the other day. Um, we were talking about 2022's roster and the overhaul. Um, you're not going to see Ben Gamble. You're not going to see Diego Castillo, Michael Chavis, um, Dylan Peters. There's just a lot of guys that aren't you Chang, um, Hoy Park, just so many guys. They've just, you know, cut ties with, um, you Yoshi Sutsugo, so, some of these, you know, bench players, Utility men, they totally just said thanks, you know, didn't renew their contracts, let them walk. Um, replace them with some veterans. Carlos Santana, upper 30s now, had some success, you know, five, six years ago. Big power bat, switch hitter, first base DH. Um, had some good years in Seattle, Kansas City. Um, Rich Hill, the oldest player in baseball, 43 years old, a crafty lefty, should be able to eat innings for them, uh, mentor some of the young pitchers. Um, so, uh, yeah, a couple moves like that. G-Man Choi comes in to kind of platoon at first base from the Rays, you know, a guy that Tampa Bay identified as a you know a solid player. Um, you know, and then of course, one of the big ones, one of the big ones we talked about on the show is getting Andrew McCutcheon back. You know, we, we chronicled it, how everybody's excited that, you know, he's not the cut of old, he's not the 2013 MVP anymore. That was 10 years ago, but, uh, one year, $5 million deal, nothing, nothing crazy for, I, I think you'll see a resurgence now that he's comfortable back where he, where he still lives in the off season where he's raising his family. Yeah. You know, he bleeds black and gold. He's he's kind of a pirate. You know, of course, when we started to tear it down again after that run, he was going to be a guy that they would trade away, and it netted them Brian Reynolds. So um, now you see McCutcheon and Reynolds in the same outfield, which is kind of crazy that they were traded for each other, and yeah. they'll be back, back together in the same outfield. So I, I expect McCutcheon. He's still got the quick bat. He's still got decent legs. Um, if he stays healthy, I can still see 20-some homers, a 270 average, 80 RBIs. And like I said with Rich Hill, uh, a great mentor to to some of the young players. And he's accepted that role. You know, you hear guys like, you know, Roethlisberger didn't want to do that with Mason Rudolph. Some guys just don't do that. But Kutch has already come out and said, I want to be a mentor to the young guys. And he's kind of going to, he, he's kind of taken that under his wing. So um, is he, catcher? is, is, for, oh, is, 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 uh, is Kutch a guy that, what do you think the odds are maybe that if he does kind of catch fire and there's a, if there's a team contending with it, would they, 
But they flip him, or you think he's just kind of here to? I play? hope not. I, I I hope he's here to stay, and I hope he like you know if he has a good year, they kind of re up him for a few more at a at a little you know at a at yeah. a fair at a fair number, and he can I, finish his career here. But I'm sure he probably wouldn't want to leave unless like it was I got I got a very obvious like a you know. Then again, if he went to one of the higher echelon teams, he'd probably be more of a bench player anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what happened in 2018. He went to the Giants, who were a contender. And then after that, to the Yankees, the Phillies, like he was trying, he was kind of chasing a ring. And um, if it happens this year and at the 31st deadline, if he could, uh, July 31st, if he can get us a couple prospects, the the team would come to him and ask him, you know, would you want to go? And if he could go to like a Houston or, you know, a a Dodgers or something like that. And and, and, and I was just kind of thinking like, they could kind of do it that one year the Penguins did with Rucky, where they just like they flip him for prospects, and then he would just like come back in the next offseason. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what like, you see that happen a lot. Like Ryan O'Reilly might do that with the Blues. Like, yeah, you hear a lot of times guys do that, but I hope not. I hope he sticks around. I hope he has a good year, and and we don't trade him. And I honestly, with the three wild cards, you know, getting ahead of myself, but you know, hopefully the Pirates can not stink as bad and be within like single digits of that third wild card and like kind of keep us interested and maybe not be huge sellers. Um, I'll get, I'll get into my like final record prediction at the end of the segment, but I was getting a catcher. Austin hedges was an ad and yeah, that doesn't excite anybody because he only hits around 200. He's only going to get you like eight homers. Um, But what he does is he handles pitching staffs really well. And he's a great receiver, Um, great pitch frame rate. Great, great catcher's ERA, you know, the ERA of the pitchers when he catches. Um, great analytics on him as a defensive catcher. So that should help a young staff. Um, his backup, like, to start the season is going to be Jason DeLay, I think, but okay. Tyler Heineman's in the mix. Holding, keeping the seat warm for Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis. If if either one of them starts tearing up the minor leagues, they might get the call. But um, no, Bronson, everything's starting to piece together. Like I said, the draft picks, a lot of these trades, you know, you look at the Musgrove trade. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have Joe Musgrove right now, but it got us David Bednar. It got us Andy Rodriguez, who I mentioned, the young catching prospect. Um, you know, we, we're we starting to kind of, you know, build up the, you know, we have Key Brian Hayes if he's healthy. Um, locked up long term, great defender, but yeah, is the bat going to come around? I think so because I think the back was the issue last year, and I think he's 100% now. Of course, O'Neill Cruz is very exciting. You know, hits the the exit velocity is you know tops in the league, and you know you see him running the bases. He's exciting. He's energetic. He's. I'm hoping that he a little bit more discipline at the plate, cut down on the strikeouts. Um, you could see a, a guy like O'Neill Cruz, you know, become a potential all-star this season and his career start to take off. I mean, he's a guy that could hit 30 homers, steal 30 bags. Um, he's going to hit lead off for the team. It looks like with keep that exit velocity high. Exit <laughs> velocity. That's the thing everybody loves now. Yeah, that's so hard hit balls. I mean, he's, yeah, he's just an electric player, and he's kind of the future. And we got him way back. It's so funny from the Dodgers in the Tony Watson trade. Wow, five six years ago, he was like a sixteen year old uh, Dominican international signing. Nobody knew about him, and he was kind of the Pirates saw something, and 
yeah, the Dodgers just getting like a lefty reliever through us. Uh, yeah, O'Neill Cruz, another guy the Dodgers just pump out. You know, they have all the money to spend, and they had a guy like that in their system. And luckily, he comes to the Pirates. Maybe we'll see a, a Roberto Clemente history repeat itself because a lot of people don't know Roberto Clemente was a Dodger, and the Pirates got him in the Rule Five draft. Yeah. From the Dodgers, so maybe you Brooklyn kind of Dodger, right? Or they, were they LA by then? They were Brooklyn at the time yeah. when they got him. Yeah. yeah. So um, all those great Brooklyn Dodger teams having Clemente, can you imagine? But but no, they're they're the lineup seems pretty solid, Bronson. It's going to be O'Neill Cruz leading off at short. Uh, Brian Reynolds, you know, a lot of a lot of managers nowadays think the best hitter should hit second. It used to be third. Um, you see Mike Trout hit second in in Anaheim. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it's going to be Reynolds hitting second and left. They're moving Reynolds to left this year. I don't okay. know if he, I don't, he played a good center field. I don't, I, I don't know if he wants to save the legs a little bit because he's trying to get a contract and he asked to move to a corner or if it was Shelton's idea, um, but he'll bat second and, and left. Uh, the, the third hole is looking to be McCutcheon uh, the, and he's going to play right field and DH, um, but you know, a shorter right field in PNC park. I think McCutcheon's older legs can handle it. Um, he looks to bat third, and then the the, the cleanup is going to be that Santana G-Man Choi uh, platoon at first base. Um, fifth might be Key Brian Hayes, and it's a spot that uh, they haven't tried Hayes yet. Maybe it's a a spot he can uh, fall in love with and ignite that bat. But they've tried Hayes lead off. They've tried him second, tried him third. When he struggled, moved him down to six, seven. But maybe fifth will be a, a good spot for Hayes, and he can like. He knows he's going to be penciled in every day, third base, batting fifth. You know, maybe that helps his confidence. Uh, then you go down the line, batting sixth will probably be center fielder Sawinski, a guy. You know, he's another guy in the Musgrove trade. Uh, Jack yeah. so Jack Sawinski kind of hit 19 homers last year as a rookie, and uh, and, and not a full season of at bats. Uh, the problem was the strikeouts, and the average was dipping yeah. towards the, you know, the Mendoza line at 200, but. Hopefully, uh, you know, another year, another maturity, plate discipline improves, gets the average up to the 230s to 250 range, gets into those 20 homer range again, plays a good center field. But you might see a platoon. You might see Swaggerty come up at some point. You might see Cannon Smith and Jigba, um, you know, the brother to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who you'll see drafted in the NFL at wide receiver this year. Um, his brother's on <clears> the Pirates. He's going to make the opening day roster as a backup outfielder. Um, Cal Mitchell's another guy we saw last year. So center field could kind of be, yeah. if if, um, if you see Sawinski struggle at all, G1 Bay, a, a guy Ryan Barnes loves. He's talking. He's been talking <laughs> about G1 Bay for a couple years now. He can play a little middle infield or or center field. So he, he's, he's supposed to make the roster as a reserve as well. Uh, batting seventh is probably going to be second baseman Rodolfo Castro. Um, another guy that's kind of emerged. He wasn't a top prospect in the system, but rose through the ranks. And um, he's, of course, remembered for the cell phone falling out of his pocket, sliding yes. into the base <laughs> last year. But he'll clean up some of that off the field stuff and um, mature. McCutcheon's a guy that's going to help uh, – Castro focus more. Um, I, I like what he can do defensively, and uh, I, th there's pop in that bat as well. Um, who am I leaving out? Batting eighth is going to be because I know ninth is going to be Hedges at catcher because, yeah. like I said, he's a light hitting catcher. DH. So yeah, I guess whoever would be the the DH, it would be Choi or Santana, probably yeah. slot in there six, seven, eight. Uh, that that six, seven, eight is 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 interchangeable, but I think one through five, like I said, Cruz, 
Reynolds, McCutcheon, Santana, Hayes, and then yeah. you're mix and match Sawinski, Choi, Castro there, and then Hedges. Um, the starting rotation, Bronson, we've talked about it on this show. Mitch Keller. Yeah, Keller's uh, opening day, yeah. Keller's the opening day starter. He's kind of been untapped potential for the last five years. He's been this, you know, blue chip prospect in the pirate system. He's the next great pitcher. You know, they traded Glass now. Um, it, who's going to be that? They traded Cole. Who's going to be that next man up? Well, oh, we got this can't miss Mitch Keller. You wait till you see Mitch Keller. Well, he gets called up and he's played like two or three seasons now and he hasn't wowed many people. He's had pedestrian statistics, lots of injuries, um, underwhelming for what his hype was. Um, apparently he's been working on a sinker, um, to add to his repertoire, you know, the velocity, if it's in the upper nineties, like it can be, I'm sure he's going to have some success. It's all about staying healthy and just growing his confidence and hopefully another year under pitching coach Oscar Marine, um, some familiarity and, and, and being comfortable with him. And we see something finally it's, it's put up or shut up time for Mitch Keller. It's pretty, it's pretty, you know, somebody predicted yeah. he might, you know, he, he could be an all-star. He, uh, somebody said, you know, he's poised for a really good bounce back year. He, he knows he's the ace. He's getting the ball on opening day. Um, they, they really need him. Um, because after him, it's it's kind of slim pickings. It's going to be Rich Hill, like Let's I said. Say Hill probably, right? Yeah, 43-year-old veteran Hill. And then they brought in Vince Velasquez, a journeyman that's pitched for the Phillies, the White Sox. Uh, JT Brubaker, who's been up and down, he's actually showed, showed some pretty good signs at times. It's going to start on the IL, but when he's back, uh, he should be your third starter. And... Um, Got Johan Oviedo, who they really like, six foot six, great stuff. Got him in the Jose Quintana deal last year, where they, you know, they signed Quintana to that one year deal and flipped him at the deadline. It netted them Johan Oviedo, so that was decent. And then you're gonna mix and match your fifth starter. They have a, a guy Luis Ortiz, who they really like. Um, so it's kind of going to be some patchwork after that. So that's obviously their Achilles heel is starting pitching. Yeah. And the bullpen behind Bednar is not much either. Um, I like what I see out of Dwayne Underwood Jr. Um, I guess I'm I, I, I'm burying the lead a little bit. Bronson was going to play a game. How many Pirates can I name? <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me, let me name all of them. No, that's fine. <laughs> so my guess would have been, this is the honesty. Uh-huh. My guess was going to be a catcher. I knew they had hedges. And I don't know why the word I don't know why Elias Elias Diaz was in my was in my vocabulary there. Yeah, he's been gone a couple of years now. He's in Colorado. <laughs> he's in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, Elias Diaz is in there. Um, my guess was Key Bryant Hayes a third. O'Neill Cruz is what? He's a shortstop, sure. right? But I had him. I knew I didn't um uh I didn't know his name, but it was Rodolfo Castro. I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed the name, but I knew there was a good guy at second base, so it was Castro. And then my my first base guess was going to be obviously I knew about Carlos Santana, and I was going to say the South Korean kid they got from Tampa, which you already explained. So so the outfield was going to be I knew it was going to be McCutcheon and um and uh, Reynolds, but I forgot about Sawinski. So yeah, I, well, you wouldn't I, have been been too bad. Yeah. I did. I forgot you wanted to do that trivia. That, that, That's fine. I, I kept rolling off names, but finishing up. Thanks. Frank saved me from 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 looking really stupid. So. <laughs> uh, the, the bullpen, like you know, after Bednar, you're going to have the setup men. Uh, the high leverage guys are going to be Dwayne Underwood Jr., who actually pitched in a WBC for Puerto Rico, so you know he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and and they got him from the Cubs. I think the Cubs just like put him on waivers, and we've kind of picked him up, and he's gotten you know kind of resurged with us. And then I like Will Crow, and if you look at that, the oh, job- he's still around. 
Yeah, okay. the Josh Bell trade is another great trade. I don't know if that was the Charrington or if that was – I think that was a Ben Charrington trade because um, Josh Bell is already two teams after the Nationals. He's been on San yeah. Diego, Cleveland. Now he's on Cleveland. But we got Will Crow and a guy named Eddie Yeen, who they said his who's just like a, a built like a brick, you know what house. He's a, a, a minor league pitcher that's still not ready to debut yet that we got in that trade. But they said he's you know just built like a, a truck and he's going to throw hard and possibly be on this team you know late this year or next. So another guy that that trade's looking like the Pirates won. Um, because Will Crow can touch triple digits and be a late inning, you know, shut down reliever as well. But after those three, it's kind of like, eh, um, a lot of guys that they've picked up off of waivers, Moreta, um, Hernandez, Harleen Garcia, um, Robert Stevenson. Uh, the rest of the pen is not not anybody to write home about. But I like what they have in the seventh, eighth, ninth set up there with Underwood, Crow, and Bednar if they get a lead. Um, yeah. They should hold. They should hold some late inning leads this year. It's just about getting it to them, because the middle of the bullpen, the, the starting pitching has to give them five, six strong innings, um, because the middle relievers are kind of you know patchwork this year. But Bronson, all that being said, sixty-two and a hundred last year. Um, I made a prediction on Facebook today, so it's in it's in writing. I didn't. I posted it on baseball. I think there's a baseball page I like. Um, that said, give us your favorite team's prediction. And I said the power took a 76 and 86, okay. um, which is a pretty bold prediction. Ten games that's a, under. Yeah, and that's a 16-game improvement. So that's a pretty big leap. Um, I might be... I might be regretting that. I almost revised it to 70. Oh, more optimism, huh? Yeah, I almost revised <laughs> it to 72 and 90 because that's a 10-game improvement. But... Yeah. Um, I think they'll mature. I think the McCutcheon ad, I think they'll get a little bit better luck this year. Um, I think the pitch clock and some of the rule changes will help them. And I see the pirates improving. Uh, you know, if they can go, if they can stick around that, that 10 games under all year and not feel like they're such a, you know, a, a, a seller dweller, a, a team that everybody beats up on a, a laughing stock, yeah. Um, I'll feel good about things and I'll be engaged and watch every game. If they're going to be on TV, there's still no answer to that. Um, you know, yeah, uh, we're, we're getting down to the, the deadline here in I a mean, month here. So, yeah, I mean, Greg Brown and everybody was not like, no, but everybody's acting like nothing's happening, but you know, the 31st, the network is supposed to go bankrupt opening days tomorrow, the 30th, they're fine to show that one, but what's going to happen on Saturday, May 1st. Yeah. Well, last thing we heard, what we Saturday heard, the, we heard that Bob Nutting apparently is possible is, uh, talking to Fenway sports group, most notably, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, John Henry, the mm-hmm. owner of Fenway Sports Group, and they're trying to work it out a deal with the Penguins and the Pirates to kind of maybe maybe get on Nesson Frank. So that's that's been the last which, I, which I predicted, and you and Mike uh, Mike you, at least Mike laughed at me, but yeah, you did predict it. So yeah. that possibly could be it's, reality. It's, kinda, the it's, it's it's built right in there. They could Nesson can just umbrella and take over the AT and T Sports Studios and staff. Yeah, and just, and just rebrand it as Nesson Pittsburgh or Nesson Pittsburgh. You know, yeah. I asked. The only thing I asked about the whole deal, you know, Bob, if you're listening, or should I say, uh, uh, John Henry, if you're listening, as long as Jack Edwards stays, stays the hell away from so the Penguins, far away, I'm, yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but, uh, but no, Frank, I um, 
What does it say? I thought it's one of the Pirates. I've been watching, I'm still watching this 10 great Pirates in Pittsburgh. They just featured Dickie Grote. And, uh, you know, what a career that guy's had, you know, what played Pitt and Duke and then played for the Pirates. So, One like, of the greatest this... athletes of all time and most underrated. Yeah. Still 90-something years young, still still hanging on. And I missed yeah. him this year in the broadcast. <laughs> I, even though he was, you know, getting old and kind of – I still loved him in the broadcast. Oh, it's a him, terrible call. He used to be and, so and funny on Pitt, on Pitt radio games, yeah. Oh, I love it. But um, and then Honus Swagger, of course, was the number one. You knew that one of the best pirates of all time. But um, no, Frank, I thought it was, that's a great roundup. And uh, yeah, we were gonna do this segment where I was gonna try to guess the the opening lineup. So actually, I would have did better than I thought. There was some obviously I didn't know that uh, Eli- Elias Diaz is already gone for a couple of years now. I was already that's how far behind I was. I didn't know Will Crow was still around. So like, <laughs> so it's funny. Like I wish I need to tap back into the pirates. I I remember back in there. Early to mid two thousands, I watched almost every game, and I went to a bunch of games and stuff. And I'd like to reengage again, man. I mean, it's and even up until I said even up until two thousand thirteen, I fourteen, I was kind of you know, I, if you quiz me, I knew who every player was on the team, and I need to get back into it. I think honestly, Frank, like like you said, the lack of, of wanting to commit to spending by Bob Nutting's kind of, and in a sad way, made me very apathetic and just not care. I mean, if, if nothing will change, then you ultimately develop apathy and, and you just don't pay attention anymore. And my, my hat's off to you and Barnsey and, and a lot of other people who still, um, my friend Seth Harris and a couple other guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, I still talk to Tony Cunningham once in a while. He's a big, still a big Bucko fan. My hat's off to these guys who, uh, do, who, eat, sleep, breathe, you know, digest bucko ball because uh, I try to, but it is, it is kind of, and it's just baseball in general, Frank. And, you know, I, I, I always loved, uh, you know, I still love the, you know, growing up being a Yankee fan. So I still like, I still pay attention to that team. Uh, um, the Astros kind of soured me with the, the cheating scandal, although they are the defending world series champions. And as far as we know, as of this recording, uh, uh, that, 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 that world series is kind of genuine there, but, but no, freaking, uh, and uh, it was also pretty cool to see uh, the top of the uh, Don. I forget Don Kelly was a part, Ken Maka, all these guys, Sean Casey, honorable mention, Pittsburgh area guys. But, um, but no, it was cool to see. And I want to before we we flip to your uh, MLB predictions. Um, I wanted to very quickly touch on the World Baseball Classic. I know last episode when you and I met, we were kind of getting into it. I think U.S. had just started. I think they were either going to play Great Britain or someone else. I forgot. I had no idea Lance Worley, he, the, the Worley bird, he, he qualified. Yeah, the former the pirate. Team. He started opening game for them. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's and he, he's been out of he's been out of like major league ball for five six years, but he's <laughs> well, still still playing like independent ball and still got something to pitch for Great Britain, who doesn't have any yeah. stars. And then and then uh, it was funny. So yeah, the World Baseball Classic was on. It was on the Fox had it. FS1 Fox and uh, I try to watch as many games as I could. I I really get pumped up for the World Baseball Classic because I love that whole you know you know playing for country and and getting the gold medal and whatnot. And uh, I've, I've I've watched. I've been pretty deep on almost all the previous World Baseball Classics, and uh, it was fun to watch. And I and I this is the first year I think I watched other other teams play each other too. And mm-hmm. uh, I forget the kid's name, but um Frankie, but uh the the kid who like, I can't think it's a guy who pitched for the Czech Republic. I think he like. His real nine to five job, he's like he's either like an electrician or a plumber or something. Yeah. Well, he struck out. He struck out Otani. It's like, dude, and he got the ball. I saw that. He <laughs> Otani autographed it for him. It's pretty cool. It was a good sport That's... about it. But, but the entire Czech team has nine to fives. Yeah, and they yeah. Uh, they, they made it through qualifiers and like yeah, it was a great story. And of course, once they got here, they got you know 
they, they didn't win a game, but it, still no. the, the experience was great to win a qualifier yeah. and make it. Same with Great Britain. They were a team not expected to go, and they had one major leaguer, Trace Thompson, actually Clay Thompson's brother from the Golden State okay. Warriors. Um, he has The rule of the WBC is a little bit lenient. If you have grandparents from that country, you're allowed to go two generations back. So there's a lot of guys on teams that like – Did Rizzo play for – if not now, he, or previous, did he play for Team Italy? Rizzo yeah, played, right. Piazza played. I think, I think in the last couple of ones, yeah. And Piazza was the manager for Team Italy, and I was rooting for them. I have Italian roots, but uh, yeah, and, so do I. <laughs> and, and I know my cousin Jason, who you know, you know, you've met, and 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 we talk about his career that he when he played in the majors, he was eligible to play for Italy. He actually played overseas there after his major league career, and ha- I think he got he actually got citizenship, and and our grandparents. We're from or we have great grandparents from Italy, not grandparents, but he filed all the paperwork and he could have played for for Italy in the WBC if he would have went for it in 06. But by that time, by that time, he had retired. But, yeah, you you have to have grandparents or great grandparents. Um, So a lot of guys are born in like, you know, the U.S., but we're playing for other countries. Um, But that's okay. It was still cool. And, um, you know, like Trace Thompson's from California or something, but he played for Great Britain. Because I think their parents, I think they have a their mom or dad is from London. So um, Lars Newtbar was a guy that everybody was like, what the heck? That's not a Japanese name. He's actually his dad's from the Netherlands. So he actually yeah. he could have played for two teams, the Netherlands or Japan. His mom's from Japan. His dad's from the Netherlands. Um, so Lars Newtbar ch- chose to play for Japan and had a good tournament. He's of the St. Louis Cardinals. Those things always kind of like entice me because, like, even like on the hockey side, you know, more uh, known on the hockey side, like in the Olympics or things like that. Like, uh, I think like if you play in a league there, you can, you're eligible to play for that country. Yeah, like, Jeff like Platt. Chelios, Chelios, Chelios's kid playing for like South Korea, like that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Put- I, it was. I, there was a guy. That, yeah, I think played for China. I think in the Olympics because uh, yeah. he plays there for for Kunlun Red Star. Um, yeah, but there's a guy, Shelly, Jeff, there's a guy South Jeff Platt. I don't know if you remember him, Jeff Platt. Um, he's played in Belarus for like 12 years in the KHL yeah. and he's got citizenship and plays for them in internet, like in, in, in the tournaments yeah. he plays for Belarus. Yeah. So I it's forgot, something. I forgot too. Go Let me ahead. cut you off. No, I forgot too. Like in the Olympics, like Calipari coached, like he coached the, uh, the Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic. I didn't know that. Like, yeah, the, the, the rules with coaches is funny because uh, Dean Trainer, the former pirate bench coach, actually coached Team China this year. He had yeah. he was he was a bench coach and he coached the Indianapolis Triple A team and he, and he's not Chinese at all, but coached Team China. Yeah, so you you can you can go coach other other uh, countries. Like a John Candy coached the uh, the Jamaican bobsled team, Cool Runnings. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> but no, no, and, I, and that was. And by the way, I was, I was gonna, you know, you know, Bronson goes off the rails. Frank has to steam it back on. But no, World Baseball Classic was awesome, and it's generated excitement walk- for the regular season for sure. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the only bad thing was um, what's his name for the Mets got hurt. He's out for the uh, year. Yeah, celebrating, celebrating. celebrating yeah. Not, not even like injured by 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 the game, just jumping up and down and out for the year. Yeah. So that put a sour taste on it because a lot of people are voting like, Oh, they, they should not let these, you know, professional athletes in the WBC or they should cancel it next time because look what can happen. But, but I, uh, but I would, I just wanted to quickly not try to break every game though, but I just want to say, 
everyone got through the tournament and obviously um what japan had a great comeback win for uh, over mexico and i remember yeah. the mexican the manager he said you know tani led that led that uh that drive and he said you know he said you know mexico may not have won but baseball won because you know the exposure of the the, mm-hmm. the japanese team they also led them to have a showdown in the finals of team usa frank obviously i'm not telling you anything you don't already know but some mm-hmm. of the people who may not have watched the world baseball classic that are listening but um Trey Turner had a huge semifinal game and then went to the finals. He had a home run in that game as well. Uh, Trey Turner, of course, we're going to get to him uh, very shortly because that's on my list of things to talk to you about. But um, Trey Turner was, came up huge. I remember I was texting Frank. like I was like, isn't Mark, isn't Mark DeRosa like an MLB network guy? What's he doing managing yeah. Team USA? And you're like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's a guy and he's an analyst. Like he might be coming up for a future skipper job. So, yeah. and then, so I was like, you know, it's kind of wonder why he was the, the manager or whatnot, but uh, they, a tough task, Frank. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Japanese were actually favored in the final, mm-hmm. and didn't know if we would see Otani starting or the bull. They, they definitely knew at some point we would see Otani. Uh, I forget who the starting pitcher was. I'm sure you'll know it better than I was. But it's like it seems like you know it's these guys who they don't see in the MLB. They they kind of get thrown off a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. um, then you Darvish came in for an inning or two, and the U.S. started to get some hits, and then. Uh, and then ultimately, by the, all this leads down to my favorite moment of the, of the World Baseball Classic, Frank. And that was the final batter versus the final pitcher with the with with two outs and, and a three two count. But it was it came down to Shohei Otani on the mound. He came in last at, uh, inning to clean it up for for Japan. And the, the final at bat for Team America was the captain Mike Trout. Um, and can't, every can't write like, a better script. I mean, that's what everybody. Yeah. The first two pitches is swing, big whiffs. A couple of them, they go 100 mile an hour fastball. Frankie, uh, Tony goes out of the strike zone a few times, and then the finally the the, the pitch that does in uh, Trout is the slider low and away, and 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 uh, Trout whiffs at that one. It gives Japan the win. Japan the the World Baseball Classic. They've won it before, haven't? This is their second one, right? Third. They've uh, won it three out of third. five. Yeah, there's been five, and they've won three of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and uh, Otani was the MVP of the World Baseball Classic. But it was cool to Frank, like I said, to see those two Angel teammates go down to there. That's the the matchup everybody wanted to see, and they got it. And with with literally the stake of the game with the on the line. So that was awesome as a baseball fan to watch. I even posted it. I said, you know, this is what makes me. It's I, I'm that kid again, Frank, falling in love with, with with the game that I first fell in love with, and uh, just seeing that moment. And, and then uh, I was watching all the interviews with Otani after, and they had him on the Fox booth and and them asking him as his heroes and i know he was trying to kiss up to the host by saying it was poppy and a rod but said he was a huge griffey fan and and uh you know just just the impact that the american baseball has and in japan and what brings a lot of these guys here i know the kid from boston's coming over uh, who's in the japanese leagues i'm sure we're going to talk about him here shortly but um I know my kid, he's almost 30, but, uh, but no, Frank, I just, your, your thoughts on the world baseball classic. I know you and I exchanged a bunch of texts over it. You knew how excited I was to watch it. And, and, and I always get pretty pumped when that happens. And I think, well, I think first off too, this one, as opposed to a couple of the last ones, team USA necessarily didn't have a great team. Those last couple of world baseball classics, because some of the best players didn't want to play. We had some good players this time. And obviously with Mike Trout, I mean, it would be cool if he had a guy like Harper or, or uh, you know those guys, but you know not everyone chooses to play in it. But at least, at least Pittsburgh, at least the United States had some star power and some really, really quality players. So uh, it allowed for a great final. And uh, and obviously, you know, it's not it's not like a World Series or playoff scenario, Frank. It's a, it's a one and done, like most international play is with hockey and baseball and basketball and whatnot. But but uh, just your thoughts on it and uh, and um, 
where, where the World Baseball Classic uh, goes forward as a whole. Yeah, Bronson, like, uh, I'm glad to see you enjoyed it so much, and it's kind of getting you in baseball mode, because um, I, I, of course, was dialed in and watched almost every game, even some of the ones, like, if I found myself up at 5, 6 a.m., I'd turn on and see, like, they were playing live over in Japan and, and, yeah. and, tai- and Taiwan, and, um, no, I was dialed into almost every game, uh, Fox, FS1, Fox, FS2, even, and um, and I'll get real next-level nerd on you. But uh, I, I actually, you know, MLB, the show that you and I both play, um, I put, I got the rosters changed around where I, I made. I'm going to do that still. I'm going to do that yeah, too. So um, I, I cheated and I downloaded because guys upload their own rosters. And uh, one guy did a great job. He created just about every team and he put them on teams with similar uniforms. Um, I changed it around a little bit, but like I had the U.S. on Cleveland because the Indians uniforms kind of Guardians kind of yeah. looks like the, the Navy and red. Um, and I, you, I had Japan on on Minnesota Twins because Japan had kind of a blue, red and gold um, with pinstripes. And the, the Netherlands, um, you know, Baltimore was perfect, black and orange. Um, there's so many blue and red teams, it was hard, but I put like yeah. Puerto, Puerto Rico on the Braves and Dominican on Texas and just moved the See, players. For me, I would have put Team USA, like I know you say, because it matched the jerseys better. Mm-hmm. So I would have intended to put them on the Nationals because it's the yeah. red, white, and blue and the stars. And stars. Yeah, you can get stars and stripes on the uniform, but I, I'll take it a level further. I, I didn't do the Nats because they have red socks and the U.S. Uh, US yeah. had blue socks. I get that. I get that intricate. You with are it. next level, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing each game along with the tournament and having fun with that and um even like the japanese roster it was like you had to create like 30 players because none of them were in the majors but this guy yeah. this, this guy whose roster i downloaded did all that that legwork for me so i'm not the biggest nerd out there but um so i had fun with that but then also of course just fun watching it and yeah i mean that final game so much drama I, you know i thought it was gonna be u.s mexico like you said it was a, a late rally for japan to beat mexico and mexico u.s would have been a rematch because that was the only other game the u.s lost was to mexico yeah. and randy arosa reina is just a, st- a star i mean great great fa- one of the great faces of the game right now because he's a guy that has fun you saw him make like a diving catch in the outfield and like pose like this like <laughs> i used to be yeah. a traditionalist i used to be a traditionalist that hated that stuff and said like next time he comes up put one in his put one in his ribs but like uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm growing, I'm growing to just like that stuff, and that's what young kids want to see. And I'm okay with the bla- the bat flips now, and you know, guys making a big catch and really flipping out. And in the international game, they like, they were all about it, especially the Latin teams like Venezuela, yeah. Puerto Rico, and Dominican. They were all like jumping up and down on every home run and getting out of the dugout and acting like little leaguers. Yeah. And I, I hope we see more of that in the in the in the majors this year. It's tough to do that over 162. Like you said, this was an 11 game sprint, a, a, a short tournament. I happen to think, uh, you know. I know it's it's already player safety and blah blah blah, but I would propose that they change at least the finals to a best out of three. That'd be cool. It's hard to uh, one and done. I still think the U.S. wins two out of three, or if you put the U.S. against Japan, they win seven out of ten. Especially, and, and we'll see next next time the, the 2026 comes around. Maybe some more pitchers will commit. I mean, we. I think the U.S. probably would have swept the field this year if they had Verlander, Scherzer, Degrom, um, Zach Wheeler, 
Garrett Cole. I mean, all their best pitchers didn't go. Yeah. Maybe they move it to like July around the All Star break, so everybody's in mid season form, it, um, yeah. or move it to September. Um, you wouldn't get any players that are in like the pennant race though as a problem. Or if you do it after the World Series, you're you're getting like too much into the off season. But I always hate how the hockey world championships are in May and like guys can't yeah. you know, guys can't go if they're in the Stanley Cup playoffs and then as soon as they get eliminated, they fly they over. Can go. <laughs> <laughs> like Ovechkin's done that a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And that's another thing in NHL twenty two, I like move all the players around to the, the international teams and like do the world. Yeah, I do the same. Teams. But um, no, I, I, yeah, I used to see uh, the World Baseball Classic on previous insta- installations of the yeah. show before you had the social rosters. You had to do them yourself. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard with some of the teams that have non. You have to create so many players, but the, most of the major leaguers you can move around. But I know it was a great tournament, Bronson. I was rooting so hard for the U.S. I wanted them to win it, but they came up short. I do like Mark DeRosa. Like you were kind of questioning what what are his credentials? And I was telling you in a text like. He's a guy that's an, an analyst, but he was a guy that was the 25th man on the bench that just knows the game. A lot of those, yeah. a lot of those major leaguers that were like a, a backup outfielder that never played become the best managers because they sit on the bench all game and study the game. Like, so like Eric Hinsky, like those kind of guys. Yeah, like well, Jim Leland was a minor league yeah. catcher that never made it big, and Bruce Bochy and like guys like that. They, they kind of they were players, but they, they were think never, the game better. Yeah. So DeRosa is a guy like that, and I think he'll get an MLB gig soon. I mean, he's got it made on TV as well, but yeah, I really wanted them to win it for him because uh, oh yeah, a lot of people questioned why he's a manager, but like I told, he was you, on a couple of those teams. He was on a couple. Of yeah, teams. so he had, he had experience playing in it. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited. I hate to wait three more years, but it's the next installments in 2026, and what? Mike Trout's already committed again, which is exciting. He'll I be like that. He'll be 35. Good guy, man. Yeah, he'll he'll be the captain again. My, Bryce Harper is gonna play, but got hurt. So yeah, I I heard there was because I, I was kind of uh, it's kind of scrutinizing him at first, but someone said no, he got hurt. That's why he yeah. couldn't play. I was like, okay, I gotcha. My question was too. Um, when Japan won, they had the fifty one. Is that is that Ichiro's jersey they're holding? Yeah, and not for like any reason, like he's not dead or anything. But I think <laughs> yeah, they just they just revere him so much. He's yeah. like. He's like the Babe Ruth of Japanese baseball, and he was yeah. on the 06 and 09 teams that won the title. Um, and he's kind of like the de facto captain, even though he wasn't in attendance. So they were they were showing his jersey. Yeah, yeah, man. It's I, I just think it's cool. And like I said, just seeing like how like Otani, like he's always been on a level, but like on that internet now he has that international moment. I mean, for all sakes of purposes, that that has like the same amount like to me is like this the golden goal that Sid scored and and. No, yeah, it's another thing on his mantle for sure. The WBC MVP, and I mean, he had a great hitting tournament, and now a great uh, also pitching. He had two wins and a save, and it was lights out. And of course, just doing what we see him do with the Angels at an international level now is crazy. And Japan has a couple budding stars. You said you 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 teed me up with Masataka Yoshida. He's going to come over for the Red Sox. I picked him up in fantasy. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, Five year, ninety million dollar deal. Um, Brian Reynolds is probably like, geez, why can't I get a, something like that? This guy, <laughs> yeah, this guy's well, unproven. These old curmudgeons hate with like when Ichiro came over. Now this guy's coming over and Hideki, yeah. and, and then there have been a little bit of some flops in the past, like you know Dice K and Kazmatsui. But yeah, these, these guys coming over like 29 years old and they're in the rookie race, and they go, oh, right. 29 year old, be a rookie, rookie of the year. year. Yeah, but 
<laughs> Yoshida has sneaky pop, and you know he's going to be like a lot of the Japanese hitters, disciplined. You know, great yeah. eye, at, great eye at the plate, doesn't strike out. Um, so I think he's going to be good for the Red Sox. And then, then that kid um, Matsuyama, I want to say, hit 55 homers last year in the Japanese league. Wow. He's in, uh, he's like 23. I'm sure he'll be posted and, and be on a major league team in a couple years. You actually have to be 25 to be posted. So you can't okay. even. You can't even come over until you're 25 and then your Japanese team has to post you and major league teams then bid for you and then have to pay that posting fee to the Japanese club. Um, another, so it's going to, the bidding war for that young kid as a hitter is going to be huge. And then, and he are, and he has some personality. He looks like he's going to be a, a great star in the league. And then Roki Sasaki, the young pitcher, he's only 21 was hitting 102 on the gun. He pitched the semifinal. Yeah. Um, and Mexico actually, Mexico actually got to him, but he had a good tournament before that, and he had a great season last year in the, in the NPB. But look out for him, but not until the 2026 season gotcha. because he's only 21 and he has to <laughs> – Oh, yeah. It's a rule. You have to stay over there until you're 25, kind of like the KHL had for a while um, it, where it was hard to get Malkin and those guys over. Yeah, and my, my question, like, kind of with you, because like I said, I've, and I'm only a casual fan of MLB. And like I said, I just mentioned some of the guys who really hit it big, and some of the guys who, who kind of haven't done that. Like, you know, for every you Darvish, you know, Dice K had a good couple first years of Boston, yeah. and they kind of flamed out. But for like for every you Darvish, there's a Dice K. For every Hideki and and Ichiro, there's a you know Kasuke Fukudome or Kazmatsui guys. Yeah, that they come over and don't light the world on fire. Maybe yeah, a, average player over here. Yeah. I remember what's it? Um, the kid. Um, oh my gosh. Um, oh, um, who else is it? One well, kid that didn't that didn't work out over here either. He's he's blow, he's messing my mind up. And then obviously you know the pirates. You know when the pirates got you know Jung Ho Gong. He was he was kind of a sought after guy. Yeah, until the off the field issues, he he yeah. kind of was doing okay over here. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's it just it's just it's it fascinates me the transition of of the Japanese league over here because there are like you said Frank there are a lot of good players over in Japan and that's why obviously why they've been such a, a tour de force in the the previous you know current and previous World Baseball classics. But <clears throat> I've always been I've, I've always been fascinated by that just like you know the old Iron Curtain of the Russians you know like the stories like you said about Balkan and Fedorov like defecting yeah. and and, yeah. and all that stuff. McGillney, so yeah, McGillney, yeah, for sure, and um. But no, I've got to that. But um, yeah, I just want—I just want to cover the WBC because it was something I was really into. And, and, uh, One other thing, the, what, before I—we yeah. a lot of pirates actually played, and I mentioned uh, Dwayne Underwood for Puerto Rico, and a guy I forgot when I did the pirate segment, Ronzi Contreras. Um, he's supposed to be one of our top starters this year. He's only twenty-one or twenty-two. He pitched for the Dominican, and uh, he came over in the t- Jamison tie-on trade. So look for big things out of him for the Pirates this year too. And he was on the Dominican squad. And then David Bednar on Team USA, and we have a, a young outfielder that played for Great Britain. Uh, so that yeah, uh, Chavez Young. And, and you just mentioned Tyone. Wasn't he on Team Canada? Tyone, yeah, very funny. And when he was 18 years old in the 2013 Classic, he pitched for Team Canada and actually was doing pretty well um, because it's that haven't seen you factor. And he actually yeah. pitched, pitched a couple scoreless innings as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid in the 2013 one um, before he debuted with the Pirates. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well, he He's born and this? raised in Texas, but he has parents from Canada. That's what it was. I knew yeah. there was, like, a thing. Because, like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, in hockey um, – that happens with like um, a couple of the players, like Tyler Myers. 
he was born in Texas, but his parents are Canadian, so he plays for Canada. You like, can have dual citizenship. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brett, Hall, Brett Hall's the most famous one because he could play for, him for America. And, and in the 96 World Cup, he chose U.S. and made a bunch of people mad. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. And then, like, in the world, like, the, I guess, World Juniors, uh, Galchenyuk, who was born in America, but it has, uh, but had, you know, Russian ties. So, like, he always mm-hmm. chose to play for America, which is kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. But anyway. But yeah, I was I've always been fascinated by that. And I remember like years ago seeing like I was like, Tynan's on Team Canada? I didn't get it. And then yeah, but that that's I did some research and like like you said, found out his parents are from Canada. But mm-hmm. again, one of those things in international play that 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 uh oh what's his name? Um Peter Nedvitt playing for Team Canada in ninety four when he was and they played for Czech Republic. Yeah, uh, you can yeah, you, you could play for either one. Yeah. This yeah, year so Arosa Arena could have done Cuba or Mexico. And he's actually born and raised in Cuba, but you know how that government is. So he he A Rod, right? Puerto Rico, A-Rod, America. Dominican or America. That's Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado could have played for Cuba. Um wow. but chose America. But the Arosa Arena thing was interesting because you know Cuba has that oppressive government and Arosa Arena fled Cuba and has lived in Mexico for many years and you know is not a Mexican born and raised, but since he has citizenship, chose to play gotcha. for Mexico. Yeah. No, the voice. And yeah, that's that's it. And like I said, we're looking forward to the next World Baseball Classic. And like I said, I I was I was really excited to talk about that because I know how much you know. I, Frankie loves baseball. And he knows I was into that. But let's get to the MLB MLB preview, Frankie. Mm-hmm. And um, I did I did uh, borrow this from ESPN. I don't want to say steal it. I borrowed <laughs> it. And um, kind of uh, kind of off season in, in a in a in a in a nutshell here. And I just wanted to say it's called, it was uh, called opening day, 2023, MLB off season's most chaotic moments, but the staff ESPN. And I'll just give you their article and what they were talking about and kind of let Frank elaborate on what he thought about what, what happened here. So these are the most, these are the uh, most chaotic moments, of the MLB off season. And uh, this is November 28th. And this is called who needs, a, who needs a GM to sign a former MVP uh, at the GMless Astros, signed Jose Abreu for three years, fifty-eight and a half million dollars. Frank, what was your reaction to that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a sneaky move this offseason. Abreu had, you know, I think in uh, time has just got stale in Chicago. They're a team that's been, you know, kind of stuck in neutral and not not going where they want to go. And Abreu's been a you know a thirty homer, hundred RBI guy for many years there, and just under the radar and. He finally, I think, just maybe even mutually, the team and the and the player just said it's time to move on. And and he's one of those, like you said, the Japanese stars. Um, he's actually from Cuba himself, Jose Abreu, and he came over pretty late. Um, so he was an older rookie, and I actually have his rookie card. I have it like in a a, a nice case because he, he, you know, I thought this guy might be pretty good. Um, so he's in mid to upper thirties now. So this is his like last hurrah to kind of go to a winner. So he goes to Houston. And like you said, they were in between GMs at the time. And I don't know who negotiated the deal, but I think it was just one of those perfect fits because Houston being the defending champs, um, they need to retool a little bit. Um, Yuli Gordiel was their first baseman for the last five years for those couples. Um, What they, they made three chips. They made three trips to the world series and one, or they made four trips and won two of them. Um, and he, I, you know, he was on those four teams, Yuli, Yuli Guriel, another Cuban. Um, but he's a little bit older than Abreu and the Astros finally cut ties with him. I think he's a uh, yeah. minor league deal with the Marlins, I think, to try to stick around yeah. Yuli Guriel. But so they had to hold first base. Um, 
an Astros lineup that's stacked. I mean, just you know, Bregman and Jeremy Pena steps right in for Carlos Correa. Like they just keep churning out these stars, the shortstop. <laughs> um, they still have Michael Brantley solid and left. And you know how good Kyle Tucker is. He was on Team USA. Um, yeah. They have, of course, Altuve. Another WBC injury, though. Broken hand six to eight weeks. Um, he got hit by a pitch in the semifinal against the U.S. Um, so that was that was rough. But um, or that was the quarterfinal against the U.S. But th- he'll be back at Altuve's game. Maldonado at catcher, a good defensive catcher. And they were like, oh, we have a hole at first base. What are we going to do? They go out and get probably the best one on the market, and they get Jose Abreu. So I think he still has a couple of good years left. And in that lineup with that protection, um, you know, slot him in, 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 the, in the cleanup spot or fifth. Um, around Bregman and Pena and Tucker. Um, and you're going to see those numbers that we've come accustomed to in, in Chicago, th- 20 to 30 homers, 90, 100 RBIs, hit hit close to 300. Sneaky, really good pickup by the Astros. I hate to say it because I don't like the Astros, but that's a, that's a, he's, <laughs> he's always been a player I liked, and I think he'll help them <sighs> great, you know, big time. Yep. And then the second one, too, is uh, December 2nd, date of the deal. The Rangers gave DeGrom how much? The Rangers signed Jacob DeGrom from the Mets. Five years, $185 million. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a, a such a such a leap of faith. And the Rangers are a team that are desperate to get back to their winning ways. You know, the, the World Series appearance in 2010, um, where that fan base just went crazy for it. They they love baseball there in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area and Arlington and they they want to compete in the AL West with with Houston and Seattle and, and and the Angels and they needed to make a splash and they did it last offseason if you remember Marcus Simeon and yeah. Corey Corey Seager and they said well what are you going to sign all these players but you you still have no pitching so this offseason they go out and get the biggest fish in the sea pitching wise Jacob Degrom now the, you know the caveat with him is he's often injured and you know he's always like oh after a start. Right side soreness, out six to eight weeks. Left <laughs> left oblique strain, right forearm tightness. You just have all this stuff with the Grom, and you just really hope he stays healthy because if he does, he's the best in the in the business. I mean, hit a hundred mile an hour fastball, great great command, great off speed stuff, bulldog mentality out there. Um, so if he stays healthy, you're looking at uh, close to a twenty game winner, Cy Young candidate, uh, two hundred plus strikeouts. Ace of the staff. He's going to start opening day, I think, uh, for for them uh, tomorrow against the the Phillies. Um, I think, yeah, it's t- Texas and Philadelphia. So that that'll be a great one. You know, the the def- defending NL champs uh, against Degrom in Texas. But yep. um, yeah, huge splash there. If he stays healthy, it's going to be great. But five years, one eighty five. I think it's like forty million a season or something. Yeah. Like an insane commitment for <laughs> for a pitcher and a guy that's a uh, kind of a risk. Yeah. Yep. And you figured that would be a big blow to a team like the Mets, but they bounced back, Frank. And on December 5th, three days later, they signed Justin Verlander, two years, $86.7 million. And what he's, he's already had, he's already having some injury concerns right now. Right. I haven't heard what's going on with him, but I think it's, I think it's minor. I think he's going to be back. Okay. Soon, but I was uh, watching uh boomer and geo and they, you know, they're big Mets fans. They were talking a little bit about it the other day when I was watching them. 
Yeah, whatever it is but, for Verlander is not long term. But yeah, they had to make a splash, and you know, obviously they, I think they made an offer to Degrom, and you know, he he declined it and chose to go to Texas. So they had all this money laying around that was going to go to Degrom, and they figured, um, you know, we'll throw it at another pitcher, much older Verlander, nearing forty years old, um, but still at a, a, a Cy Young level. He was last year's American League Cy Young winner at like thirty eight years old, um, ERA sub two last year. Um, still getting it done. I mean, he's got a great, you know, a great delivery, a great physique has avoided the big injury. I mean, yeah, I think he had the Tommy John surgery, but everybody's having that nowadays. So he did sit out a year like four or five years ago, but since then he's been back and stronger than ever and still, still touching upper nineties. And, you know, he, of course, another guy with that bulldog mentality, strap you to his strap a team to his back, give you innings, um, Frank, so he was he was a powerhouse back when we were like you know freshman sophomores in high school, man. This guy, I know. I mean, he, <laughs> I, he debuted in 05 with the Tigers. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, still, still going strong. Guys like him and Adam Wainwright, and still sticking around close to 40. And Rich Hill, a guy we said too. I think he's on like his 11th team. Um, but no, you know, Verlander shouldn't shouldn't skip a beat. One two punch in that rotation still with Max Scherzer. Um, so yeah, I, I think Crazy. another great year for him in the Mets. Yeah, two two guys, two World Series winners, and Scherzer and and Verlander and like six just like, combined Cy Youngs or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Like Steve Steve Cohen just has the checkbook and he's like, whatever you need, I got I it. Know, it's unreal. Um, moving on. Um, they move on to December fifth. Another deal gets done. The Phillies start the shortstop carousel by signing Trey Turner for eleven years, three hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's what that's a good way to put it. The shortstop carousel it was going to say, like, which domino falls first? We talk about this with quarterbacks in the NFL, and it it was a great offseason for shortstops, mar- the shortstop market this year with Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson and Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa, just so many big names. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Trey Turner goes to Philadelphia, another team loading up to compete with the Mets and the Braves uh, in that loaded NL East. Um, a little sneak peek of my later predictions. I like the Phillies again. Uh, I picked them last year to go to the World Series and was right on. I picked them to play Toronto last year. Had that wrong. It was it was Philly and Houston. But I like the Phillies again because they added to this team, and one of them was Trey Turner, and you said it. And he had a great WBC. We were talking about that. He was he was the MVP for Team USA at five homers in the tournament. Um, he's he's white hot right now. That should continue into the regular season. He's a guy that steals bases. Um, yeah, and, and that's going to be up this year with the larger bases and the and the and the new rule change where you can't throw over to first as much. We're go- we're going to get into that later before we wrap up. Yeah, so he's going to steal. He's going to steal bases. He's going to hit thirty bombs, hit three hundred, probably bat lead off for them. But you can bat him anywhere. He's a guy that can hit first, second, third, fourth. Um, yeah, and and just in a great lineup around Schwarber, and they'll have Harper back and Castellanos and. So, so many, you know, that, that team's a loaded lineup and uh, Turner's just a, so huge money. I mean, that, that's the going right nowadays in MLB is like for the superstar players, you're getting about, <laughs> they're getting about 10 years, 300. 
uh, 30 million AAV is kind of the going rate for a superstar. Um, the upper, upper superstars like Mike Trout are getting the $40 million AAVs, but, um, you saw like the Machado deal, the Tatis deal, what Juan Soto is probably going to get, um, is is around that 10 Bryce Harper got 13 years, three thirty, um, but huge deal for Trey Turner. Yeah. And that trickled down to the, you know, Swanson leaving the Braves, uh, the Braves. Yeah. I was going to get into that, Frank. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to hit two birds, one stone. Cause the one on this Mm -hmm. list was the Padres getting Xander Bogarts 11 years. 288 million another one of those no, wait, deals and what this is the move that what that's going to bounce uh tatis out to the outfield right yeah that's that that's signified it i mean they feel you know bogart's being a shortstop he's not a guy that's going to move to second or third they have machado at third um cronenworth at second um so that that pretty much locked into tatis moving to the outfield i don't think tatis wanted to but I think they said if we, you know, since we we signed you to the big contract, we want to keep the body as 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 healthy as we can, because um, he's been missed a lot of time due to injuries. So playing, he's going to play in the corner outfield, left or right, um, yeah. much less action than shortstop uh, when he's back from his eighty game suspension, which is like late yeah. April. He he's probably going to play some right field and during the suspension he can probably learn how to play the position a little bit better yeah. and that's where we're going to see Tatis go to the outfield yeah and then you mentioned of course Dansby Swanson of the uh the world champion Atlanta Braves uh he goes over to the Chicago Cubs yeah Swanson to the Cubs and the Cubs kind of you know it's a head scratcher they've you know, they were good at the same time as the Pirates, you know, 13, 14, 15 with Arietta and Rizzo. They obviously won the World Series in 16 to break the, the curse. Um, but after yeah. that, they after that, they kind of tore it down again and they've been, you know, near last place. And now they look like they're trying to start to maybe throw money back at it and build around their prospects and the, the first big spend. Um, well, the first big spend was Marcus Stroman, the pitcher. Um, so he's yeah. there. He's there with that and group. That, and and, now, and, and, and that's cut you off since you're gonna you're gonna bring the Cubs up. You're you're gonna steal my lead here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the Cubs also made another move too. Or actually, not not another move. In this rebuild move, they lost someone. Uh, I I I equivalent this to uh, to the baseball equivalent of Hulk Hogan joining the NWO, and that is with. Um, with uh, Yadier Molina retiring and leaving uh, St. Louis, the Cardinals go across enemy lines and grab Wilson Contreras, five years, eighty-seven and a half million dollars. So yeah. Wilson Contreras crossing enemy lines, and now we'll catch for the Cardinals. Yeah, he's going to be uh, 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 the, joins the long list of you know Cardinals and Cubs to go to the other team. It most recently yeah. J- Jason Hayward made that jump. Um, the, Lou, the famous Lou Brock trade where Lou Brock went from the Cubs to the Cardinals and became a, a Hall of Famer. Bruce Suter yeah. pit, uh, pitched for both teams. Um, there's been a lot of guys. But, yeah, Wilson Contreras. Did, did Edmonds go towards the end of his career? I don't Jim remember Edmonds. Edmonds going to the Cubs. I can't I can't say I remember that. But, um, but no, I, Contreras to replace the legend Yadier Molina. Um, big shoes to <laughs> yeah. fill. But, you know. Molina obviously tough to replace his glove, but Wilson Contreras is going to bring a big bat. So that's what's been missing out of the catcher spot for the Cardinals. And yeah, they get to stick it to their rival Cubs at the same time. It's just a win-win. I I can't wait to see if they boo him or cheer him in his first game back at Wrigley. <laughs> yeah, half a year, Frank. Two thousand eight, half a year with the Cubs. Bronson's memory serves him well. Edmonds, Jim Edmonds the was, Cubs. A, was a Cub. Yeah, yeah, very. very it's his. Uh, Mark DeRose is a guy that played for both. Yes. 
Yeah, the Cubs the Cubs acquired him at, in the, at, on May 14, 2008 from the Padres. It, yeah, that, that did, was towards didn't the play end, very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, he was there. At the he end. was about ready to retire. And he didn't go straight from the Cardinals to the Cubs. Yeah, Padres. no, no, no. It was the it was a stop of the Padres yeah. in between. And then uh, another thing in the offseason, Frank, December seventh. Uh, obviously, that's the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. This is also the day that we we thought, Frank, all of the baseball insiders had teased us. They they were for sure thought that uh, Aaron Judge was going to the uh, San Francisco Giants. And uh, ESPN's headline is "Arson Judge the San Francisco Aaron Judge <laughs> Returns to the Bronx." Aaron Judge, Frank. Nine years, $360 million. Yeah, I mean, what a great year to have your walk year, of course, breaking the, <laughs> breaking the AL record, 62 homers. record, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody said it was up to Judge. You know, the Yankees were going to make the offer, and if you want, you can be the captain. You can be, you can retire a Yankee, have a monument in Monument Park, have your number retired next to Jeter and Ruth and Gehrig and Rivera and Yogi Berra and everybody. Um, or you can, if you want to walk, go ahead and walk. And a lot of people thought, well, he's from Northern California. He's going to want to go play for the Giants. He's going to want to get out of the big spotlight. He's a quiet guy. He doesn't want to be his rest of his career as a Yankee. Everybody's pointing towards the Giants. Um but no, yeah, the, the Yankees end up. He, he does. He does choose to stay and in pinstripes and embrace it. They named him captain. Um, it'll be a Yankee for life. So I kind of like it. I'm happy. He's he just seems like he's a Yankee to me. And um, yeah, so he stays put and gets the the big contract. And we'll see how that one pans out because it's like the Albert <laughs> Pujols deal. I mean, you remember the the, the ten years Pujols played with the Angels were not nowhere near his ten years in St. Louis. So it's almost like a chapter one, chapter two for Judge here. He's, you know, his age 30 season, um, a nine-year deal. At the end of that deal, when he's 39 years old, is he going to be worth $40 million a season? <laughs> well, you know, it's gonna, they're obviously overpaying for the first five years of that contract maybe for to get them a World Series or two and then deal with the money at the end. But, uh, I'm, no, I'm happy to see Judge stick around in, in pinstripes. For sure, and I, and as a Yankee fan myself, I'm you, happy yeah. to stuck around. I'm really excited. And Frank, it's, it seems like you know, with baseball in those last couple off seasons, it's been uh, death taxes, and then they make a trade with the uh, Oakland A's. And uh, this off season, they get Sean Murphy. Last year, they got Matt Olson <laughs> for the A's. And now they get they get Sean Murphy. It was funny, and that's you, know, you see GMs get relationships like that. You look you look in hockey, Detroit and St. Louis always make trades, and it's something like Doug Armstrong and Steve Eiserman, like their best yeah. buds. Like um, you always see that the Penguins in in Wild usually make trades yeah because billy um, g yeah it's like you have those relationships and i don't know what it is with oakland and the ducks too know, i feel like they always make trades with the ducks the too. penguins and ducks do a lot of business yeah um but no the, you see familiarity like i don't know what it is with oakland and atlanta but oakland has become the major leagues minor league affiliate people joke that the, <laughs> people joke that the, the, the pirates are the yankees minor league team but because like whoever gets good in the pirates eventually has gets traded yeah. to the yankees tyone cole yeah you know, cole with the houston but yeah i know but um <laughs> gotcha. reynolds right now they say the yankees want brian reynolds um but uh no the the, the braves um the Braves and A's, yeah, last year it was Matt Olson and you know Freddie Freeman walks and everybody's like, Oh my god, the Braves just totally told Freddie Freeman to walk. What's going on? Next day they sign Matt Olson. So it's like, oh, yeah, a little bit younger version of Freddie Freeman, great defensively. 
You know, yeah. the Braves, the Braves kind of know what they're doing. Um, Alex Anthopoulos, great TM. And now they pluck probably the best player off the A's. And now the A's literally have like no recognizable names, but they get a catcher and then they immediately sign him to a team friendly deal. Seven yeah. or six years, 70 million. Like the Braves, you, can you imagine who they have locked up? Like, yeah, they let Swanson go, but they have Albies and Riley and now Murphy and Acuna they have all these guys locked yeah. up long term. Like they're going to be good for so long. So yeah, that was a steal getting Sean Murphy. They still have Travis Darno, who's going to you know back up catcher, play some yeah. DH, maybe some first base. Um, so yeah, the Braves are just reloaded again. That was a good move. Yeah, yeah. And the catcher you're talking about was Shea Lang- Langliers. Yeah, they, they gave up some prospects, and they, you know one of the prospects they gave up in the Olsen deal has already been flipped to the to, today to the Phillies, Kristen Pache. So there you the, go. The, the A's are wheeling a deal, and that you know the Braves look and, like they're definitely winning that. They're, they're going to Vegas, aren't they? Well, it's rumored. I mean, they can't get a stadium deal done there in Oakland, and they play in the worst ballpark in a, in, a, in America, that Oakland Coliseum, still, and it's terrible for baseball and. Um, they're AAA affiliates in Vegas, um, so they have a built-in stadium that they could use until a new stadium is finished. Um, it would only be like a 5,000-seater. It's kind of like what the uh, the Arizona Coyotes are doing in hockey. But if if the A's want to move in the middle of the night like the Baltimore Ravens did or the Baltimore Colts did, <laughs> Colts, um, yeah. they could pack up and move to Vegas uh, any any time in the offseason. You know, they're obviously locked into Oakland this year, but you never know. Pretty soon, if Manfred pr- approves it, they want a team in Vegas. They, Major League Baseball ideally would like to expand to 32 teams, and they, they would love to go to Vegas and either back to Montreal or Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte uh, North Carolina, is a big rumored city nashville um these are teams that have triple a teams already vegas um portland oregon um even mexico city um which would be kind of crazy but um baseball wants to expand to 32 which i'm against i think it would water down the talent a little bit too much um but if they don't expand they definitely want a team in vegas you see now the raiders are there the golden knights it's becoming a pro town and Bryce Harper probably, you probably think whoever goes to Vegas eventually has a chance to get Bryce Harper since that's he's what the Vegas saying. kid yeah Bryce Harper's yeah. been pushing for it and yeah maybe his I mean he signed that huge deal with the Phillies so they'd have to work yeah. out a trade but he would probably love to play in Vegas if he could work out a trade late in his career um but yeah th- th- that's a that's a good point Bronson the A's maybe that might be something for the next offseason we might see a, a our first team relocations since the Nationals moved from uh, Montreal to Washington in 05. Yeah, we got a couple more here. I'm not trying to bury the whole show here. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of these ones. We already talked about Dansby Swanson going to the Cubs, seven years, 177 million. Uh, the Yankees get Carlos Rodon, six years, 162 million. That's a huge signing, Frankie. Um, you want to comment on that? And we can, or we well, want yeah, to... I mean, Rodon had a great year in uh, in San Francisco, and he never really yeah. found he never found it in, with the White Sox, and he was a great college pitcher. He did throw that no hitter near perfect game uh, when he was with the White Sox. Um, he missed a perfect game because he hit a guy on the foot. And he he hit a batter in the ninth inning, and then he still got the no hitter. That's when you saw him kind of finally um, emerge. Um, and then sign, turn turn that one good year in Chicago into a, a good contract with the Giants, but it was a short term deal, and he, yeah. he he bet on himself on a short term deal, and and then cashed in with the Yankees. And he's going to start the season on the IL though, but it's not long. I think it's like a month. No. He could be back by May, and um, 
great one-two punch with uh, with Garrett Cole because it's righty-lefty, and uh, the Yankees need some rotation depth. That's their one weakness. Um, so, I, And I like a healthy Luis Severino coming back, and then uh, Frankie Montas, another guy they got from the A's, yeah. the, the athletic selling players off. Montas is a decent depth rotation guy for the Yankees, and um, – they have Loisaga, they have some other pieces, but it's going to be Cole and Rodon, the horses that they ride for sure. Yeah. And then um, one more thing, and then I go to the, the biggest the biggest offseason uh, mm-hmm. hilarious story. This one I kind of called the, uh, the, 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 the trade, basically. They signed with different other teams, but they went, I call it basically the trade. And that was December 17th and 18th, Frank. Uh, uh, the Rodgers get, the Rodgers. <laughs> Or yeah, reading ahead there, <laughs> the Dodgers uh, they get JD Martinez from the Red Sox, Frank, at a one year, ten million dollar deal, and then the Red Sox get Justin Turner from the Dodgers, a two year, twenty two million deal. So it's kind of like I call it like a trade. They went to yes, they went to the difference. Yeah, that's a funny way to look at it. It's true, and similar players, similar ages. I think they're both mid thirties. Um, JD Martinez had some All Star years in in Boston and some MVP caliber years, and he's obviously not the player he was, but he's going to go to LA and primarily DH. Um, he's a he's a right handed bat. He might you know sit out against some right handed pitching. You know he you know probably play against a lot of lefties, um, but no, a guy that if he's healthy uh, can can still give you twenty homers, uh, eighty RBIs, maybe thirty homers. Um, and then Justin Turner to, to Boston, similar similar thing. I mean, uh, not as much power, but a great clubhouse guy and a guy that can play. Yeah, third, he can play third base, DH, maybe some first. Um, he he's just a guy that feels like a Red Sox. So that's I think that's going to be a good fit. And I think both Red guys, beard. <laughs> yeah, I think both guys in both towns are gonna are gonna get a little bit of a resurgence from the new from the new scenery and uh um, yes. and, and both of them work out yeah yeah well it's what martinez will probably what the dh in la don't they have i heard what i heard they're gonna move muncie over to third uh yeah probably muncie is a natural better third baseman than second or first and then uh yeah and yeah, and then probably go with uh yeah, Martinez can't really play the outfield that, yeah. that well anymore. So he'll DH now that it's in the National League. Yeah. And then and then what I'm trying to think of Boston's another what's what's they have a good third baseman, don't they? Yeah, Raphael uh, Devers. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, perennial all star. They said what Turner Turner will probably be the DH there. You would DH think, right? and maybe some first. And you know, give Devers okay. a day off here and there at third. Yeah. For sure. And then I have this. This one's so big, Frank. I have to make it two pages long. Let's see if I can find the the first page. Oh, here we go. It's over here. I'm gonna turn it into one story because you're gonna laugh. Let's just start talking, Frank's Like, okay, here we go. It went from December 13th to December 24th, and then ultimately <laughs> culminated in January 10th. And I think he knows where I'm going with this. A man known as Carlos Correa on the 13th signed a. 13-year, $350 million deal with the Giants. So we thought he was going to be a Giant, Frank. He doesn't pass the physical. Something about a leg injury he had. Um, so then the deal of the Giants is cut off. So what, where, where does Carlos Craig go next? Okay. Well, you know, Steve Cohen says no price is too big. We're going to bring him over to the Mets. And um, they signed Carlos Correa for almost kind of – I'm trying to, look at the, to get the numbers there. I think So the Mets – okay, the Mets and, the, and, the, and, the, and Carlos Correa agree on a 12-year – 315 million deal 
dollar deal. And then all of a sudden he doesn't pass the physical <laughs> with the Mets. And they're trying to figure out a deal because I guess this leg injury again. And so this thing just keeps hanging in the in the wind. So ultimately, this ends on January 10th when the twins, Carlos Craig goes back to the twins on a six-year, $200 million contract, Frank. Uh, a guy who went to three different places here now sees but does end. Correa goes ultimately at the end of the day nowhere. He stays where he he went before the offseason started. And this offseason basically will end it on that, on, on this story before we go into your predictions. So this offseason number one moment was basically the, the Carlos Correa controversy, rotation, carousel, whatever uh, adjective you want to p- describe it. But uh, what, what, what an interesting offseason in terms of uh, where, where Carlos Correa ended up. <laughs> Yeah, this one was so funny, and I almost forgot about it because it was pretty early in the offseason. But, yeah, obviously one of the bigger fish in the sea in the free agent, uh, you know, offseason. And, you know, of of course the Giants, after missing out on Judge, this is who they went after. And, you know, they give him that big deal, and it's all looking well. And, uh, you know, he fails his physical, and they do see, like, something in the knee – that's, you know, he's fine now, but they see something like arthritis or I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but like kind of kind of worries you to sign such a long term deal because, oh, maybe in five, six years, this guy's like out of the league or something <laughs> to give him all that guaranteed money. It's not like the NFL. Um, it's guaranteed money in baseball. So they pulled the deal at the 11th hour and I had already moved him in MLB the show. Like here he is on the giants. <laughs> and so then, okay, that deal falls through. And like literally a day later, it's like, here's a picture of him photoshopped in a Met uniform. And it's like, okay, Steve Cohen at it again. I don't care if the giants see something in the physical, I'm going to throw money at him. And everybody was shocked because they're like, they have Francisco Lindor, another Puerto Rican shortstop. Like where yeah. Also, Correa is going to play third base, and he is probably going to play third for the Giants, too, because they have Brennan Crawford. But um, so it's like, okay, he's agreeing to play third base for all this money. I see it's a little easier on the body. Makes sense. Same thing happens with the Mets. Fails the same physical. (laughs) And it's strange because I heard the same doctors did the physical again or something. So it's like, how is he going to pass it again? Like, how is he going to pass it a second time? So he fails it then. And the Mets tear the deal up. And it's like, what is going on? And, you know, you can't go home again or whatever the phrase is. So he just says, okay, if nobody's going to want me, he goes back to the Twins, who who signed a one-year deal after he left Houston. He he, he signed like a prove-it deal and, um, and, you know, had a decent year in Minnesota. And that's a team you don't think getting superstars. It's like, man, if the Twins can get yeah. a superstar, can the Pirates someday – Cause it's like similar situations and nobody thought the twins would be in for him. You know, the, Oh, it's a giant. It's a match. It's whatever. Um, but when no, when he seemed to be damaged goods and nobody like everybody's afraid of the injury, he, I guess he came to quote crawling back to them and they might be the only team to give him money. And I think he got a shorter, I, it might be a shorter term deal with them. Is it like seven years? I, I, yeah, I just it. said it. Yeah. I still have it in front of me. It might've been ultimately- like, Get Just the old to papers get, here. take a little bit of the risk. It's six years at 200 million. Yeah. So it's still a big number overall, but still a big AV, but they, 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 they do like a kind of a compromise deal and say like, we'll give you six. So it's a win-win, I guess the player gets uh, a, a decent contract, not as long. So they, they kind of cut it in half and, um, 
and, and he's back in Minnesota. And a lot of people are high on them and say they can win the AL Central. It's a winnable division. And um, he's a guy, obviously, with playoff pedigree and can be the, he's the leader of that team now in Minnesota. Cause, I mean, they have Byron Buxton. Um, they have a, a young Royce Lewis, a young shortstop coming up. So he might move to third there eventually. Yeah, but, but he's going to play short. Um, he was going to play third in his other two teams, but he'll stick it short until Royce Lewis is ready. But um, yeah, that was a fascinating. I had moved him to the Giants, moved him to the Mets in MLB <laughs> the show, had to move him back to the Twins. It was crazy. I, I think I saw pictures. There was people that had like Correa jerseys already made, like Met fans. Like how terrible is that? Like, is there a <laughs> refund policy on I that? I assume they probably allowed him a refund or something. <laughs> <laughs> But that was pretty. That was a pretty. That was a pretty fun one to end the off season uh, updates on Bronson. And I want to get into my next segment. That was I, that was it. That yeah. was done with that. So yeah, this will be fine. the final segment of baseball talk, and then Bronson and I are going to do a small final thought. But um, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, allow me to uh, digress here and just go through um, e- kind of each team. Um, I'll quickly go through each team who they like what I think they did in the off season where I think they'll finish and then kind of yes. give a, kind of give a little predictions like maybe not every like, maybe we'll see who like the final four is in my my World Series pick Bronson you can jump in with yours too if you have any thoughts yeah. but I pulled up a great website and um, MLB.com did it. And it's an easy way to look at uh, teams' projected lineups and rotations. And I just kind of looking through who I think on paper. This is that whole eye test on paper. Who looks like they they you know look the strongest this year? And you know everybody's high on. We'll start in the AL East. Everybody's high on the Blue Jays. You know they kind of grew up last year, um, and kind of you know they made the playoffs and they kind of got uh, they kind of got uh, upset by the Mariners. Um, in that wild wild card series, um, but you know they have all those guys. They have that you know Vlad Jr. and uh, Bo Bichette, and yeah. they brought it. They have they have Whit Merrifield now, and George Springer. They got brought over from Houston a couple years ago. They're just poised, I think, to really make a run. And that that staff led by Alec Manoa, uh, West Virginia Mountaineer grad. Uh, yeah. And uh, just Jose Barrios, they brought in Kevin Gosman, Chris Bassett from the Mets. Um, they're, they're just they're pretty loaded and they want to challenge, the, you know, the, the Yankees for the in the race for that AL East. So they're going to make some noise. They were my World Series pick last year. I I was a little early on them, but I think they have a shot this year. Um Obviously, in that division, the Yankees are the Yankees. Like I said, they added Rodon. They have that that Anthony Volpe at short. He made the yeah. opening day roster. He's supposed to be the you know the next thing after Jeter and um, the next great Yankee shortstop. We'll see. I mean, everything's there. You know, speed, power, five tools. Um, hopefully, the the bright lights aren't too big for him. But he you know starting tomorrow, he'll be in the Yankee lineup. He he made the club and. Aaron Boone's handing the shortstop reins over to him. Um, if Stanton can stay healthy, that's a wild card. I mean, because he, he can hit 40 homers if he's healthy and give Aaron Judge some protection. Um, I don't expect Judge to have as good a season, but still hit 50-some homers and, and be an MVP candidate. Um, the bullpen's going to be the question. Um, can Clay Holmes do as good as he did last year? The ex-pirate who kind of found it with the Yankees. Can he have his, is he still the closer there? Is he going to, um, still be lights out? Time will tell. 
Um, and after, like I said, after Cole and Rodon, I don't know that if that rotation has enough for the Yankees to, to go far in the playoffs. I, you and I hope so. We like to root for the Yankees, but, um, yeah, Baltimore is also intriguing. You know, they lost 110 games, um, just like three years ago and slowly, but surely creeped up. And I think they got over 500 last year. They've also balanced the schedule this year, Bronson. That's one of the, uh, the, the forgotten things that they did. You're not going to play everybody in your division 19 times anymore. They moved that yeah. down. It's down to 13 times. So the the Orioles have an easier schedule because they're in the you know one of the tougher divisions. That'll help them. Um, Cedric Mullins is a budding superstar. He was on Team USA. Adley yeah. Rutschman, Adley Rutschman, former one one first overall picks, already a star there. Santander, Gunnar Henderson. They have our old pal Adam Frazier. He's going to be in Baltimore. Okay. Brought him in in the offseason. He's going to start at second base. Their shortstop, Jorge Mateo, super fast, going to steal a lot of bags. Orioles could could fi- actually fight for a wild card this year. Um, Tampa's Tampa, even with the small payroll, they're going to be a contender. Kind of the same lineup as last year, not not many big changes. Led by a Rosarena, the guy that I said I liked from the WBC, and youngster Wander Franco, who's going to you know one of the top prospects. It's finally uh, you know full time big leaguer now, who's so young and talented. Um, so yeah, that's that strong. Yeah, you know, and then Boston rounds out the AL East, and like you said, brought in a Justin Turner and the Japanese import Yoshida. Um, they're they're going to be, I think, a, a force to be reckoned with too. And um, the, their pitching staff's a little. They Corey Kluber, remember how good he was in Cleveland? Yeah. Now he's now a Red Sox. Chris Sales, there, guy that's been so so often injured. Um, so. Very, very interested to see, Bronson. I don't know. What do you think about the AL East as a whole? Who do you see winning it? Coming out oh, as a wild card. They, they might have three playoff teams in that division. I was going to say, you probably what? You're probably going to have what? Definitely, I would I would say people, people probably, a lot of people probably think Toronto's the, the, the favorite, if not New York. Yeah. Those yeah. are your two. And then you say the Rays are in it. You know, maybe, you know, Rays and, Rays and the Sox maybe battle out for that, for that third spot. I mean, I don't know. If you maybe think about it, I'd probably go. I because I because I love the Yankees. I'm going New York one, Toronto two. Um, I'm gonna go Boston three, Tampa four, and 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 Baltimore five. Okay, I'm high on Baltimore. I think Baltimore makes some noise and 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 okay. and, and gets up there and challenges. Um, AL Central is kind of like the the you know they've got the weakest division. Them in the NL yeah. Central, but both Centrals pretty weak um and it's you know roll roll the dice or flip a coin between the guardians the twins and the white Sox. i I don't think kansas city and detroit are close yet i was high on the on the tigers last year they added a bunch of pieces but they they still lost about 100 games so i missed that one but um yeah you can literally flip a coin between cleveland to minnesota and the white Sox. um a lot of the pundits are thinking the twins behind Carlos Correa are going to be the team that wins the central. It's going to be one of those divisions that like 88 wins gets it done. And they're probably not going to get a second team. They're not going to get a wild card team. Um, so it's only going to be, you know, the one team out of that division. Um, I still like Cleveland because I like Terry Francona's leadership. I like the addition of Josh Bell. Um, and the players they got in the the Lindor trade really set them up. Um, <coughs> they got Andres Jimenez to play second and Ahmed Rosario at short, straight up for Lindor. And 
they got two legitimate stud starters for Lindor. So, and they just locked yeah. up, they locked up him in as long-term another good sign for the pirates. You know, they gave him eight years, a hundred million. It's like teams in this market can give guys deals like that. And that's kind of what Reynolds wants. Like maybe they'll counter, you know, Reynolds wanted a little bit more than I think he's worth. He wanted eight years, 130 million. I think you see the Jimenez deal. And if you're the pirates, you say, Hey, you know, how about, how about the, uh, a deal like a similar market, similar stats, um, how about we give you eight and 100 and, and start there? Um, he'd become the Pirates' first $100 million player in their history. Um, but uh, no, Stephen Kwan's a guy I really love, the left-handed hitting uh, leadoff guy. Um, he's a guy that I think the first month of the season last year, he had this incredible streak where he didn't strike out. Sw- uh, he didn't. <laughs> I forget the strike. It wasn't not strike out, but it was like strike out swinging or something. He, saw, he makes a, a really high contact rate. Plays great defense and left. Um, and then, you know, like I said, Rosario Jimenez, they add Josh Bell. And they have an MVP candidate in Jose Ramirez, who said he wants to stay in Cleveland long term. He's a guy that could have asked out, I want to go to a contender. I could be a, a diva. But he signed a long-term deal there in Cleveland, and, and, and they're able to afford him. So they're pretty loaded. The thing about Cleveland is um, they have Shane Bieber, and that's about it after. I mean, Quantrill's okay. Um, he came over in the Clevenger trade. Remember they traded Mike Clevenger and kind of, yeah. you know, he's kind of fizzled out. So they got Quantrill from another Canadian, Cal Quantrill. His father was Paul Quantrill. Um, yeah, that's the same. That's totally yeah. But, and then Aaron Savali, Zach, Plebe, Ple, Zach, Plezak, Dan, Plezak's nephew, um, Couple decent starters, nothing, nothing crazy. And their pen has Emmanuel Classe, one of the best closers in the game, um, but not many names after him. So, I, I'm picking Cleveland over Minnesota, and I think the White Sox a close third. I don't think you get any wild card teams out of that division. I don't think Kansas City's quite ready. A lot of their young superstars are getting close, Kansas City. So listen for them in a few years. Like I say, the Pirates might make noise in a few years, and Detroit. I don't know, like. Spencer Spencer Turkelson, the former one one, not panning out yet. Um, Riley Green is their blue chip prospect. He's in year two now. We'll see how he develops. Our old pal Austin Meadows is there. You know the Rays already kind of gave up on him. We were all like kind of lamenting, oh the Meadows for Archer trade was terrible, but Meadows, um, you know Tampa Bay's already moved on from him. He can't stay healthy. It looks like Tyler Glass now is the one that got away in that trade, but he's always yeah. hurt too. he's always hurt too. So that division, Bronson, I don't know what you think. You, is it Cleveland and Minnesota, or, and who's going to get over the hump? I, I had I had Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, okay. Kansas City, De- De- Detroit. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I hear big. I heard a lot of people tell me big things about the White Sox. So I can't. Uh, the White Sox lost losing Rodon. Um, but Dylan Cease is their ace, and he's really good. And they have a solid Lance yeah. Lynn and Lucas Giolito, who threw a no-hitter against the Pirates. Um, and then that lineup, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson. They got Andrew Benintendi, Johan Moncada. Um, they, they're pretty stacked. That middle of the lineup, you can put up against anybody. So they'll be a force, too. I'm excited to watch that three-team race because it's going to be tight the whole way. And I think it's going to be three teams down to the wire. Uh, out west, Bronson, you have the perennial, you know, the four-time World Series uh, appearing Astros. 
um, it's theirs until you take it away from them. And like I said, they just Jerry me Pena already a budding star. Put him around it. Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker. They had Jose Abreu. I mean, it's just loaded. And even letting Verlander go, they still have Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Arquidi. And write this name down: Hunter Brown. Rookie starter for them, um, supposed to be the real deal. They were able to let like a Verlander go because Hunter Brown's coming to town, and they say he could be a rookie of the year candidate. Um, so you know, it's it's just funny. The Astros are rich get richer. Like they let Correa, <laughs> they let Correa walk. They plug in Pena. They let Verlander walk. They're gonna plug in this this Hunter Brown. So I think they're gonna win the West. But Seattle's ready to ready to contend you know they won a wild card last year and jose julio rodriguez is a you know potential mvp one of the bright young stars of the game who emerged last year um and they added teoscar hernandez a good outfielder from the blue jays um i really like cal rally their their catcher um jp crawford at short good defense um they got Colton Wong, the pirate killer. Um, he's going to go out there. <laughs> that's a new face in a new place in Seattle. Um, Ty France, underrated first baseman there. Um, and then Seattle's rotation, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Louis, uh, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby. Not some household names there, but solid rotation. Pitcher's ballpark out there in Seattle. They'll definitely challenge Houston for the AL West crown, and I think definitely get a wild card. Um, and then you have to think the Angels, Bronson, at some point are going to put it together. Mike Trout has to play in the playoffs. It's been eight, nine years since we've uh, – Mike Trout's played in three career playoff games. It's such a shame. Um, Otani as well. I mean, it's his walk years. I think he might be done in, 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 in L.A. with the Angels and is going to seek $600 million on the open market, probably from the Mets or Dodgers or Padres yeah. or Yankees. If Otani goes to the Yankees, Bronson, I, oh, I'm just chopping at the <laughs> next next off season, man. Otani on the Yankees, can you imagine? Um, but uh, the Angels, I think, have to put it together. They they spent all that money on Anthony Rendon. He's going to be healthy, and I think bounce back. Look for a comeback Player of the Year candidate there, Anthony Rendon. Um, you put him in that lineup with Trout and Otani and sneaky guys that they added: Gio Urshela, Brandon Drury. Um, some veteran guys. Um, they have uh, Hunter Renfro, who's actually a Mike Trout doppelganger. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. If you look at Hunter Renfro, he looks like Mike Trout. Now they're on the same team. So I was uh, I was wondering, could they get away with Mike Trout like sneaking into the dugout, putting on a Renfro jersey and batting a second time? <laughs> 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 can can they get away with that? Remember remember the the Collins twins in the NBA. Like, okay, what if one's better than the other and one fouls out? Can he switch jerseys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you fall off, why not? Yeah, like so. Everybody jokes about Renfro and Trout being like separated at birth. Well, twin magic. <laughs> sneak into the sneak into the tunnel and throw on a Renfro jersey and bat again. Oh my goodness, Hunter Renfro's like hitting bombs, <laughs> crushing it. So that oh, but then, no, but it's 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 a good ad and you know Taylor Ward emerged too in that outfield last year as a decent player and Otani's obviously going to DH and pitch. He's probably going to hit forty homers and have an ERA in the twos and strike out two hundred again and do his thing and win an MVP probably. 
Um, they added Tyler Anderson, a, a depth starter. Patrick Sandoval is supposed to be their second starter, and he pitched well for Team Mexico in the WBC. So he got some big time, you know, leverage innings under his belt there. And I just have to think that the Angels compete and for at least a wild card and get 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 Trout and Otani into the playoffs. Um, so I'm I'm hoping for that, Bronson. I know you probably are too. Yeah. Um. On. Yeah. Any thoughts on the AL West before I go to the uh, the National League? Uh, obviously, I think Houston's creme de la creme, the cream of the crop. And the cream um, rises. Cream of the crop. Yeah, brother. Macho yeah. Man, I don't know what you mean by that, Macho Man. Hey, don't interrupt me, Gene. <laughs> Macho Man, I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> I have Houston. Um, I'm going to say this is the breakout year for the Angels. So I have L.A. Yeah. second, Seattle third, Texas fourth, and Oakland fifth. And Texas, I didn't touch on them. I mean, they're a team. Yeah. Like we, we said it last segment. They they thrown money at the Grom, Seager, um, and, and Simeon. They're trying to build around that team. So um, they're, they're going to be those big spenders, too, that are going to try to compete. But on to the NL East, Bronson, and this is your – this is your group of death if for our World Cup fans out there. They call it the yeah. group of death. The, 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 the toughest division in baseball, I think, is the NLEs. You have powerhouses, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Mets. Um, and a Marlin team that just two years ago, in the three years ago in the COVID year, made the playoffs. Um, but those three big, those big three at the top are, are big spenders and I mean, you look at the Braves who won the World Series two years ago with Acuna and Olsen and Riley and Albies and Sean Murphy. And they, again, like I said with Houston, like the Braves are a team that's just, oh, they're that good. But they also have prospects like Michael Harris, who comes up and lights the world on fire in center field. Um, so they're just loaded. And of course, their their rotation, Max Freed. Um, the the amazing lefty and then Spencer Strider, who was a rookie of the year candidate last year, electric stuff near a hundred mile an hour fastball, deceptive delivery. Um, a lot of people's uh, sleeper Cy Young pick this year, Spencer Strider. I mean, they still have Charlie Morton, our old pal, close to forty, but still doing it. And uh, so that that team and a good bullpen. Braves are going to be a, a you know force to be reckoned with. And then the Mets, you said it, Stevie Cohen. Big spender. They bring in Lindor. Um, they bring in Starling Marte. Um, they have the Polar Bear already there. Jeff McNeil won a batting title. Um, Brandon Nimmo got the the big offseason deal that Brian Reynolds wants. He he wants Brandon Nimmo money. Um, and uh, yeah, and then of course the the rotation of of Scherzer and Verlander, and they brought in that Japanese guy Kodai Senga, probably the top yeah. like the top pitcher to, to move from Japan to the U S this year, they got him. Um, so, and they did have Enwood Diaz. We said it, they had probably the best closer in the game, but unfortunately lose him in the WBC closer by committee. D- David Robertson, Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley. They're going to close her by committee until they've, I think at the deadline, they might be looking at like a, a big time closer. If a, if a, if a team falls out of it, uh, look for the Mets to snatch up a closer at the deadline. Um, so yeah, the Mets, a lot of people's world series pick. And then you, and then you have the Phillies who made the world series last year 
adding Trey Turner to the fold. Um, they still have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler at the top of the rotation. They add Taiwan Walker, a solid number three guy. Um, and then what has been the Phillies' weakness the last several years, Bronson? The bullpen. And what do they do? Yeah. They they address it. Now, yes, he's been up and down and rocky, but they bring in Craig Kimbrell, um, yeah. you know, the, the Spider-Man. You know, the, the, the crazy delivery, um, they bring in Kimbrel. They, they bring in Gregory Soto from Detroit who closed games for Detroit last year on a bad team, but was good. Um, they have Jose Alvarado, uh, a flame throwing lefty and they have Sir Anthony Dominguez. They have four options at closer there and whoever doesn't get the closer nod, they might go by committee. I think they're going to go by committee, but that's, I mean, you got the sixth, seventh, eighth and ninth pretty locked up. And if you have four four guys like that, if they're all on and you can shorten the game like that and only need five innings out of your starter and get it to that pen with that lineup, the Phillies are going to be a force again. So just excited to see what they can do. Um, and then they get Bryce Harper back, and that's going to be their big trade deadline acquisition is getting him back. Yeah. He, he had to have um, – I think he had to have, I, I want to say elbow, like Tommy John, even though he's not a pitcher. I think it was an elbow issue. So he was like out for 12 months and it's going to be like mid June. So when he comes back, uh, oh gosh, I mean, he's going to DH, which is good because the NL has a DH now. So he can come back earlier than thought um, because he doesn't have to field his position. He can't throw uh, with the elbow injury, but Harper will be back and just, and then even look for them to make a deal. I, I, I want to say if they get to the deadline, I want to say adding another good starter to that rotation after Nola and Wheeler puts them over the hump and maybe one more bat. Um, Cause they lost Reese Hoskins. That was another bad spring sprain training injury. Their first baseman, Reese Hoskins torn ACL. He was like trying to catch a fi- fly ball. And, and yeah, you hate to see injuries like that in spring training. But um, so I, I can see the Phillies looking for a bit, uh, a, a third starter for that rotation and a first baseman at the deadline, see who's out there um, first base type. So they'll be looking to add at the deadline to try to get over the hump and win it all this year. Um, What do you think about the stacked NL East Bronson? Yeah, no, I, uh, I always kind of have a, you're you're the champ. You're you're the top echelon until you're not. So I have Philly, I Philly one Atlanta two. I actually have the Mets third. Obviously I, I think, uh, I, I always pretty tough on. I like I like Atlanta. Always like always Atlanta. I have Miami fourth and Washington fifth. Yeah, I mean I got the Phillies winning it, but I got three of them making the playoffs. I mean it's going to be because uh, yeah, so they're gonna they're, there's going to be three two two wild cards in a, in a division winner out of that for for sure. The Central Bronson, our favorite division. Well, here our we go. Our Bucko division. Um, <laughs> Like the AL Central, uh, the weaker division in the league, um, it's going to be. It's it's and it's been the last five years has been between the Brewers and the Cardinals. Um, it's going to be eighty-eight to ninety wins, getting it done again. Um, like you said, the the Contreras ad for the Cardinals is going to be huge, and they have a youngster, Jordan Walker, a twenty-year-old prospect. Yeah. He's like six foot five, a huge like stud that's supposed to be the next great bat for them. Um, and Newt bar, like I said, the Japanese WBC, he's, he's going to have a pretty good year, I think. And they have Goldschmidt and Arenado. I mean, they're pretty loaded the rotation. You know, still, you know, Michaelis and Flaherty and Montgomery and Wayne, Wayne Wright's around. Um, 
So at 40 years old, Wainwright's still there. Milwaukee with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, a great one-two punch. That's one of the tougher one-two punches in a rotation. But their lineup's a little weak. Yelich isn't the same anymore. Um, Jesse Winker's a new guy there. Came over, you know, he's a Reds and then the Mariners. Now he's in, in Milwaukee. Rowdy Tellez. Um, Willie Adamas came over from the Rays because Wander Franco was beaten down the door, so they had to trade the shortstop Adamas. Uh, so their lineup doesn't wow me. That's a team if the Brewers at the deadline need to add a bat or two. So you yeah. might see you might see one of the you know them get them get as one of the big buyers. Um, but solid pitching and they'll be around. And then you get the the Cubs who you know I think have separated from the Pirates and Reds just because they've you know they spent a little money on Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger. Can he kind of recapture his MVP form after leaving the Dodgers? Maybe a little less pressure. I look for a bounce back year from Bellinger with the wind blowing out in Wrigley. Um, I yeah. think he, I think you can find it again. They bring in Eric Hosmer too, you know, a guy that's you know yeah. San Diego cast off after they got Juan Soto. They wanted they just wanted to clear cap space, you know, kind of like a hockey term. Like let's get rid of Eric Hosmer. Um, finds a home with the Cubs. Maybe he does. Tie on right. They got tie on. They got Jamison tie on behind Marcus Stroman, um, yeah. and they this young pitcher Hayden Wisniewski. And like Hunter Brown, he's a name to watch because I saw his last start in the Cactus League, Hayden Wisniewski. And um, his last start in the Cactus League, he was lighting it up, five scoreless. It, 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 the, his ball looks like a wiffle ball. It's like literally, it, it, it reminded me of Kerry Wood, an ex-Cub, just Ooh, like yeah, just, just carving guys up. So I'm wondering to see what he can do. He might be a fantasy sleeper. But uh no, it, it's Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs around five. You know, Cubs will be around 500 and then Pirates and Reds. You know, we just hope the Pirates can finish ahead of the Reds and, you know, not be in the in, in last place. Like I said, I think the Pirates can can improve 15 games or so. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I hope they get to at least into the mid 70s and wins this year and get respectability and start turning that corner. You remember the 2011, 2012 Pirates, how they started to turn that corner? Yeah, they kind of competed and hung around 500 until the end of the year. And I think that's the 23 Pirates. I think they keep everybody interested and maybe like tur- turn some heads and get to the all-star break. Maybe like maybe like eight, nine out of a wild card. And like, okay, this Pirate team's like in with it with, like within sniffing distance of like the third wild card. And then, you know, maybe they, they will collapse and like, you know, not ready yet, but, but kind of get, you know, kind of start planting the seeds for this 24, 25, you know, run where they're supposed to quote, be good again. And nothing is supposed to quote, add money to it when they get good. I say air quotes <laughs> when we get good, I'll start adding money to it. We'll see. But of course, yeah, sure. Um, Excited. I mean, I'm obviously excited for the Pirates. I hope they stay on a network and we can watch them this year. Whatever streaming service they might go to, if AT&T Sportsnet folds, I'll be dishing out the money to watch them because I, <laughs> I have to watch. If it's 20 bucks a month to watch the Pirates, I'll probably pay for it and watch them. But um, they, they hopefully finish ahead of the Reds, who are in a complete tear down rebuild that's a roster bronson listen to this projected opening day lineup for the reds jonathan india jake fraley will myers they brought him over from the padres recognizable name tyler stevenson spencer steer tj friedel jason vossler 
Jose Barrero, Will Benson. It sounds like a, a bunch of creative players on MLB The Show, like fake guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're a bunch of, I mean, and then their they're pitching staff, same thing. Graham Ashcraft, Connor Overton. Like, yeah, Hunter Green's the blue chipper. He was, a, you know, the first round pick that can throw 100 miles an hour. But um, and they brought in Luis Sessa, former Yankee. Um, to, to be in that rotation, but the Reds are poised to probably lose a hundred and be in last. I hope, uh, I hope the pirates can be better than them. Um, how do you see it, Bronson? I'm guessing you're thinking it's between Milwaukee and St. Louis too. Yeah. I have St. Louis one, Milwaukee two Cubs third pirates, fourth and Cincinnati yep. fifth. I'm, I'm, put this way. I'm hoping it's Pirates Force. Right, fifth. exactly. And last but not least, uh, and this will wrap up uh, baseball. We're getting a little long here, but uh, we'll get to our final thoughts. But the last, uh, I'll do the NL West and then a little bit of a playoff prediction. Yeah. Um, and a few, maybe a few award winners. Um, NL West is usually the Dodgers division. Um, hundred games every year. They spend money. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, Kershaw. They did lose Walker Bueller. He's he's out most of the year with the you know the arm injury, so that stinks. Um, but the Dodgers, oh, like you said, reload with JD Martinez. Um, they have young prospects. They keep churning out too. It's like it's unfair that they can spend money and have prospects. But Miguel Vargas is supposed to be a good one. Um, and they they got Miguel Rojas from Miami to uh, to, to play middle infield as well. So um, you still gonna you're you're still building that team around Betts, Freeman, Will Smith, yeah. Will Smith, Max Muncy, um, and then Julio Arias is a good pitcher. They brought in Noah Syndergaard. I didn't realize they brought in Thor. Yeah. He's gonna be a Dodger. So uh, yeah, they're they're obviously gonna either win the West or get a wild card and 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 be poised to make another long run. San Diego's the other team, you know, that everybody's new darling. They spend money. They're already even talking about going after Otani next winter and spending more money. But between Bogarts, Machado, Tatis, and now Soto, they potentially have like a billion dollars worth of contracts there, and just trying to build a super team out there. And then their their other players are Cronenworth and Trent Grisham's decent. They brought in Matt Carpenter, who kind of re- resurged with the Yankees last year. Yeah. Um, he's in San Diego now. And um, Blake Snell, a solid pitcher. Yu Darvish, a solid pitcher. Uh, and then, they, of course, I mean, the move for Josh Hader at the back of that bullpen. Uh, so they're loaded. And then... Colorado, San Francisco, Arizona, throw them in a hat to finish third, fourth, and fifth. You know, the Giants had that outlier year where they were like 107 and 55. Like that, they actually beat the Dodgers that one year. It was kind of a fluke. Um, Third, fourth, and fifth, throw them in a hat. Giants, Rockies, Diamondbacks, but... This brought Bronson Padres Dodgers. I'm excited. It's it's a budding rivalry. It's going to go down to the wire with them too. And, uh, one of them would be a wild card. One will win the division. But I, do you have any? Do you have any inklings of who might win the division? Yeah, I, uh, I kind of went back and forth on this. Um, I don't know, man. I, I actually wrote down Dodgers first, Padres second. But I think I'm going to switch it up. Ooh, okay. I'm going to have San Diego one, and LA two. I have Giants third. I have Colorado fourth, and I have Arizona fifth. That's all I have. So quickly, um, my predictions, MVP, 
Um, and I said it last year, he should have been MVP. It's Otani. I mean, they gave it to Aaron judge because of the 62 homers, but Otani doing what he can do at the plate and on the mound MVP to me is best player. And I'll get into this with Steven Burnworth all the time. He's like, MVP is most valuable. Like, I'm like, no MVP traditionally is viewed as who the best player is. I don't care if it's called valuable. They should change the name of the rule to and change the name of the award to most outstanding player, like a lot of tournaments do. It's Otani. Um, and in the in the National League, um, I I really I'm I'm kind of stumped with this. Last year it was Goldschmidt. Um, a lot of people are going to Cunha um, or Arenado or Goldschmidt again. Um, a lot of people are going Juan Soto. Um, I'm going to go Manny Machado. Just uh, I'll throw a curveball. I think he's protected in that lineup by Soto and Tatis. And I think Manny Machado plays you know good defense at third. I think he's going to have a great year just because he's going to be sandwiched in that lineup by Soto and Tatis. Can you, can you imagine that protection? So I'll go Otani and Machado. Okay. And then with the AL and NL Cy Young. Um, so last year it was Alcantara, the Marlins and Verlander in the AL. Um, I'm going to say Verlander does something that nobody's ever done. I think he's going to like win it in the AL and then the very next year, win it in the NL. That's going to be something cool. cool to watch. Justin Verlander winning it, uh, American league. I am going to say it's going to be Otani. How awesome would that be? Otani uh, he, with he, both. He's going to be, I mean, MVP and Cy Young, he's going to, I mean, he's going to do it hitting. He's going to do it pitching and just remove all doubt that he's like the best player on the planet. Um, Rookie of the year. Yeah. Rookie of the year, please. Uh, So I talked about Jordan Walker, the big stud in in St. Louis um, and Anthony Volpe uh, with the Yankees. Those are two odds on favorite. There's Gunnar Henderson in Baltimore. Um, there's Kodai Senga, that pitcher that Same. came over for the Mets. Um, but I, I got to go with Walker and Volpe. I know it's the prop- popular picks, but they're they're the the blue chippers that have proven it in the minor league level. Um, they're young studs. Uh, that's I got Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe winning the rookies of the year. Gotcha. Um, I guess now we go down to it, right? We go to the. Go to the AL and NL champ, or you, you want to do the probably playoffs and wild card? Well, yeah, I mean, the- so. Yeah, quickly we just went through it. I'll I'll take the um I'll take the Yankees winning the East. I'll take okay. the um taking Cleveland in the central and Houston in the West. Okay. And then the three wild cards, I got Toronto out of the East. I got um I think Minnesota will steal one out of the central. And I think Seattle will will take one out of the West. Um, of that, I think advancing through, um, I have, I have the Yankees in Houston in the ALCS, and I think the Yankees do get over the hump and make a World Series. Yankees in Houston. Yeah, so oh, I, Yankees it, over Houston. Yankees over yeah. Houston. Um, okay. That all predicates on Volpe being really good, Carlos Rodon being good, Aaron Judge having another good year and Stanton staying healthy. But I'm a Yankee. I know I'm a Yankee fan, kind of with uh, hopeful, hopeful for all that. Um, National League, I got the Phillies winning the, um, winning the East, <coughs> um, St. Louis in the Central, and I'll take the Padres to win the West. Um, I'll take the Dodgers to get a wild card, the Mets to get a wild card, and the Braves to get a wild card. And 
That's how many make it, right? Six. Maybe. So see, see, see what the Dodgers, the Dodgers get a wild card, the Mets, Mets get a wild card, and Braves. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm so pretty there you sure. Go. I'm pretty sure it's six. 20, yeah. 2022 MLB playoffs. I just want to make sure it's six teams that make it. Yeah. I can't remember. There's been so many rule changes. <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's two wild card series and two buys, right? So it's yeah. six teams that make it. Um, yep. So let me get back to my list. Um, yeah. I have Philadelphia and the Padres um, in a rematch of the NLCS, and I got Philly yeah. winning it again. Philly so over San Diego. That, that leaves me with a 2009 rematch of the Phillies and Yankees. And I hate to say it, Bronson, but I got the Philadelphia Phillies as World, Ch- Series World Champs. Champ. They revenge the 09 Series. They do like the 08 Penguins and win it the, the next year. And I got the Phillies winning their first championship. Since 08, they did win it in 08 over Tampa. They but did. Adding Trey Turner, adding that bullpen help, and I think adding a one bat and one starter at the deadline and Harper coming back around the All-Star break. I think the Phillies are going to be loaded. Trey Turner is going to possibly win an MVP. Um, I, I think the Phillies do win it all this year. What do you see? In there Boston? you go. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I, mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know a whole lot about these teams. I kind of trust your well, judgment. Just give me your World Series pick then, just so you have it <laughs> yeah. on record. Hold on. I'll, okay, I'll do that. So, okay. But before I do that, I'll give you, I actually wrote these notes down at work. I was watching ESPN. So I got uh-huh. two World Series predictions, one by the baseball expert, Tim Kirkchen, mm-hmm. he thinks it'll be San Diego and Houston. He said, although okay. he did say he, he would change it like tomorrow or like <laughs> that's that moment, San Diego and Houston and the dog. Cause uh mad dog Russo was on yeah. first take. Today. He had Yankees and Braves in the world. Series. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say, I'll take the, uh, you know what? I'm really high on San Diego this year. So I'm gonna take your I'm gonna take your polar opposite. I'm gonna go Houston and San Diego, and I have San Diego winning the World Series. Sure. So you have the same as uh as that first guy, um, Tim Kirkchen. Kirkchen, yeah, yeah. San I hope Diego it's not Houston so. again. I'm just getting so tired of Houston, and I would love to see San Diego make it some new blood, even though they're becoming the you know the Yankees of the NL, the big spenders. Um, especially because what they're gonna have San Diego's gonna have. They're gonna have Sydney's gonna have Machado, Soto, uh, Tatis, Tatis Jr., Bogarts. I mean, now. like Bogarts. Bogarts. Oh my gosh, is overkill. And then they're Josh gonna Josh Hader. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have Hader, Darvish gonna Snell, have Darvish Snell, and they'll add at the deadline. They'll get another yeah, Musgrove still, don't they? Musgrove, yeah, Musgrove. They still I think, Musgrove. I think they'll add a starting pitcher and a and like a setup bullpen guy at the deadline too. They were kind of, they were kind of, they were kind of snake bit not having Tatis with that suspension. I think it makes right this year. They'll get it. They win the World Series. And that's my pick there. Um, before we wrap this up, Frank, go to the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mad Dog Russo. He had a couple things. Actually, I just want to address that number one thing he had. Mm-hmm. These are the top five trending stories in MLB this year. Number five, he had the Chicago teams, White Sox, Cubs, of where they'll go. Um, fourth, the Angels. Obviously, how the Angels will do this year with Otani's last year. Will Trout finally get in a playoff game? Third, third is the trendy teams, teams that everyone's picking to go. Um, the two, the two, uh, 
top stories as the Mets and the Yankees. He called it New York State of Mind. We kind of already covered most of those anyway. But the number one thing we actually have not covered is the rule changes. Oh yeah. And so uh, so we've we're, we've we've now been deep in deep in the the heart of spring training and had some of these rules. Actually, it was funny because I'm going to mention a quick story before I turn it over to you. Is uh, what uh, Sergio Romo uh, had his last game, you know, as a, as a giant. He went in there and pitched and got the the ovation. And then, of course, with <laughs> the new rules, he, he got he got dinged out a couple pitches because of the taking too long to celebrate. They started the clock. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> like, you know, it was like, you're not, you know, this is why he's he's getting out of the game. And now it's like, he, they almost kind of laughed at it because Sergio Romo came out and whatever spring training, whatever, got an applause. You know, he's done. His career is over. And automatically it's like, you know, he took too long celebrating and he took this. <laughs> it's already got dinged by it. Um, I played that clip from PTI, Wilbon, uh, you know, calling out Machado about, um, uh, you know, being against the clock, right? But I guess apparently now Manny Machado likes the pitch clock, and a lot of it's 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 going over well with the pitchers and the batters, and overall, and even some of the old the old guard tends to like it as well. So, um, I've been like I said, I I told you last episode we we recorded together. I was I was a fan of it, and uh, and um, I, I'm looking forward to see how it goes. And, and the, the, you know, Scherzer found his way. He found a loophole around it. What's his name? The the one the kid the guy from. Uh, I want to say the, the the I forget who from the Yankees. I just saw the clip. I didn't see the, the player, but he was like w- doing the double wind up and stuff and was messing people up. So I'm sure there's going to be some some craziness to that, Frank. And I'll let you. I'm going to throw this back to you. But the one thing that you you um, triggered me for on the the base roll, the, the being able to throw over twice, is apparently Miguel Cabrera has like ten stolen bases in spring training, like the slowest <laughs> clock speed. So like. He's truly taking advantage of this, and I think a lot of baseball experts are, are afraid that this is what's going to happen. Where a lot of slow guys are going to be putting up some math. <laughs> the, 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 the base, the stolen bases numbers are going to are going to climb exponentially. Yeah. So, so there you go. So I just want to throw this to you about how you've seen the role changes and and where they'll go from here. Yeah, it's been definitely a huge topic, and all the buzz is about these role changes and. They kind of MLB kind of went all in. They made a bunch of these in one off season, which I didn't think they'd do. But obviously, the biggest one is the pitch clock, and it seems to be getting met with uh, high regard by most people. Um, and Max Scherzer said it great. He he thinks it's tougher on the hitters. He thinks most pitchers are usually ready. It's the hitters that like to fumble around with their batting gloves and step yeah. out and look down at the third base coach and you know. The, the numbers don't lie. I think the average, the spring games are, are over now and in the books and the average, you know, time a game was like two hours, 30 minutes versus like three hours, 10 minutes last year. So it's improving them by like 40 minutes. And for the casual fan, that's huge. Like it's hard to sit through a three hour game with four hour game on TV or at, if, if you go to the game, it's hard to, to sit through that long. It's going to be much more pleasing to the eye as a viewer. So I'm excited for the pitch clock. I don't think there's going to be many violations. I think they're going to get used to it. Um, and it just makes everybody work quicker and make the game more appealing. 
I think that one's going to be a win. Um, the bigger bases is weird. Some people say they look like pizza boxes out there. Um, <laughs> but what it does is, you know, <clears throat> it's for player safety for first base. At least there's a bigger, you know, surface to step on for the first baseman's foot and the, and the base runner's foot. Um, but then again, it's going to it's going to bring in the, the base running element because that three to four inches is that much closer to, to 90 feet away. And um, you can obviously that little bit's the, the the difference in a bang bang sport of a stolen base or not. So you know, baseball has become that. And I I've talked about it before the three true outcomes: walk, strikeout, or home run. Baseball is becoming too much of that, and they they miss things like you know the stolen base. Um, so you're going to see more of that, and and the, not only the bigger bases making it you know a little bit shorter of a distance, but that throwover rule, like you said, a maximum of two throwovers, and if you throw over on the third time and don't get them, it's a balk. So you, the guy automatically gets second. Um, so you have to use them wisely because if you use your two, the guy can immediately just take off next time and get a bigger lead. You know, he can get a, a much bigger lead. Um, so that's going to be huge. And just the, the fact that they're limited pitchers are going to throw over less, which also speeds up the game. So that's a, it's a win. Yeah. It, it adds more base stealing and it speeds up the game. Um, and then the no shift rule, um, I think teams are going to find a loophole and move the left fielder over, which has already been kind of done. A yeah, few, I saw that already. A yeah. few teams are doing it because, it, well, instead of the second baseman, we're going to move the left fielder all the way over. Well, I wish the MLB would catch on and make an 11th hour adjustment to say the left fielder can't move past the second base bag. Like if you draw a line down the middle of the field, the left fielder has to stay on the left side. Yeah. Uh, because I, I don't want, you know, hopefully teams exploit that and can poke the ball down the left field line and just get an automatic triple. Because if there's no left fielder out there, you're probably going to get like a triple. So hopefully that deters it a little bit. But guys like Joey Gallo, who maybe he'll find like finally like guys that really hurt by the shift. Corey Seager um, will get back to respectability again and their old ways. That 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 teams can't shift anymore. I I was never a fan of it. Um, yeah. I think I thought it was kind of cheating the game. Um, you know, other sports. You know, football. You pretty much have to line your eleven guys on defense up in the same kind of way. Like every team kind of yeah. Every team every team kind of varies it a little bit, but it, there's nothing crazy. You don't slide anybody to one side. Yeah. No. no it. So. It, but the game's been played hundreds of years and nobody's really ever done that. And all this Billy Bean, you know, money ball analytic kind of style <laughs> kind of said, oh, we can start moving a guy over because he doesn't hit it over there. And then guys with too much ego and contracts didn't want to just bunt the ball down the third baseline because they want to hit home run. Um, so I think banning is a good thing. Get back to more of a traditional game. Um, there's always been a role, you know, you can't play a guy in foul territory, the catcher, you know, the catcher can't move. I mean, it's just like, so banning the shift's not a big deal to me. Like I I'm glad it's going back to it, but really excited to see the faster games. That's my, my biggest thing. Same, Frank. I agree. Um, I, I it, it'd be awesome to see a pirate game, you know, start at seven and end at like nine fifteen, nine to like not yes. be all night long. Like you know, some of those Yankee Red Sox games, like four and a half hours, like, you know, yeah. they, they even started last year with the, 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 the pitching change, you know, a pitcher has to pitch to three batters. So there's less pitching changes. So they were like getting on the track of it last year and now they've added all these. So very cool, Bronson. 
um, really excited to see how those go into effect. And um, it's going to, I think going to be a, a really fun season to, to see how it plays out. Yeah, no. And uh, wow. I mean, that's such a great preview of, of baseball. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm ready. Like I could dial into the season now because I wanted to Frank's... go an hour Bronson and then true NLN sportscast <laughs> fashion. We went two hours on baseball. No, I was I'm glad we did. Bill. Honestly, I, I know it's not a bonus episode. We went two hours. No, I'm I'm glad we did because I I really like to sit back and this is mostly Frank's show. Obviously, he did the most talking. I teed him up on it, but uh, it's awesome and I I really did look forward to this because this is kind of my 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 baseball uh, I, how I quench it with with Frank. So uh, I'll be watching some games tomorrow. Well, actually, probably not. Uh, I'm going to a concert tomorrow, but I'm sure they'll have it on TV somewhere. Well, there. you can maybe catch so, some. I don't know if you're working, but there's games all day starting at noon. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. With TBS, I, like yeah, I think. WPN. Well, I think ESPN, MLB Network have like a triple yeah. header going. Um, Pirates, so at, Pirates are on at four o'clock. Um, Perfect. So, but and then the NLN Sports guys will be your home for you know updates all season. You know, as Bronson and I have episodes. This guy right um, here. Yeah, you'll bring in the Dalai Lama, and we'll have a segment where we talk about how the Pirates are doing and, and what's going on around the league. So as we as we meet up, if it's or if it's Bronson and Mike, me and Bronson, or all three of us, we're gonna have a we'll dedicate a little bit to baseball and Pirate talk to keep you guys updated. So I, I appreciate Bronson giving me the giving me the uh, the pulpit for this episode, but we're gonna end it with a quick final thought. I'll let Bronson go yeah. first, so I can I'll catch be my quick, breath. I promise. <laughs> I'll be no, first, so... so I can catch my breath. Yes, so I'm going to head out, lead off. So Frank's excited about baseball, and I am too. But this weekend is uh, is, wrestle, is is wrestling Super Bowl, and that's WrestleMania. And uh, this is, what, the third or fourth year of it going? Uh, yeah, it went two nights for the first time in uh, 2020. So this is the third year of it going uh, back-to-back, Saturday and Sunday, Frank. It'll be at SoFi Stadium. I feel like they usually go like a year after the Super Bowl is there. So it's SoFi Stadium. Uh, next year it's going to be in Philadelphia, and my cousin Matt has already got a homie, Frank. So I might, I <laughs> Mr. might be going Russell to Wrestle Rumble, Matt. Mister Wrestle Rumble, <laughs> I might be going. I might be going to Philadelphia next year for WrestleMania. I'm hoping maybe, uh, but but and that'll be the link. But um, this year it's at SoFi Stadium. Um, I'm going to throw the matches at the top of my head here. The the match is actually the it's gonna, it's going to start off Frank. As John Cena is going to make his return to wrestling, he'll be he'll be wrestling Austin Theory. He was the guy who wrestled McAfee at WrestleMania yeah. last year. So I fully expect um, Cena to put over Matt uh, or Theory. Theory's the U.S. champion. It's for the U.S. title. Maybe they do a one-off and Cena wins it and like loses it on Raw the next. And of course, John Cena. John Cena. He draws the money. So you know to have that lead off is pretty cool for John. I'll like be the Fairweather either. fan. And I'll be watching. I, I watch like one event a year, and it's WrestleMania. I remember. Frank last, loves it. Cause it's on Peacock, so he gets it. Yeah, for it's free on Peacock. Yeah, and last year I saw I um, uh, my my my. I think I can't remember. I had my 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 baby was was watching the one. It might have been the Royal Rumble, and I sent you yeah. a picture of my little baby, like she was watching, enjoying the, the rest. <laughs> yes, and no, and it'll be cool. Hopefully, we will get a picture of her watching some of the WrestleMania yeah. matches. That's that. Charlotte Flair Frank is defending the title against Rhea Ripley. They had a match at WrestleMania a couple years ago for the NXT title, which she defeated Rhea Ripley. Um, She's gonna so, win again. Charlotte Flair is gonna win. I, I, actually, I believe I think they may let Rhea win this because uh, she might be right. Charlotte might win. You know, you know, obviously the, the daughter of Ric Flair, but mm-hmm. they they have been playing the whole fact that Rhea has not beaten her. So maybe this is where she gets the first the first win. 
Um, Bianca Belair defends the, the the Raw Women's Title against Oscar. This one could go either way, Frank. I think. I think. I think. Uh, uh, re- re- um, Bianca Belair retire, or she retains the title. Frank, Bianca Belair, former track athlete at University of Tennessee, so she made her tr- foray to wrestling. Charlotte Flair actually used to be a volleyball star at, uh, U- at NC State, so there you go. Some some college backgrounds there. Uh, Lita and Trish Frank make their return back to wrestling for a one-off. Uh, they're going to tag team with Becky Lynch to take on Damage Control, a women's ta- a group that. Uh, uh, consists of Io Sky, uh, Dakota Kai, and um, and Bailey. Um, I fully expect Lita and Trish and Beck- Becky Lynch to win that. You know, the legends usually get over WrestleMania. That's a WrestleMania seems to bring back so many like you know cameo appearances of like old yeah. legends. You're not going to get. It doesn't look like we're going to get Steve Austin this year. That was kind of the rumor that maybe he wanted a chance to train a full year and mm-hmm. and uh, have a match that he was kind of like he liked the one last year, but didn't have enough time to train. But doesn't look like he's doing anything unless it's something we, that's not advertised. Um, well, Pat, so, Mac- yeah, there might be a surprise. You know, there's always maybe that. you never know. I never say never in wrestling, but Pat McAfee allegedly is not really doing much with WWE since his his, his uh since college football season's over. He's still doing his show. Uh, still breaking news with Aaron Rodgers, it seems like every <laughs> yeah. week. But, but um, he came back a little. He came back at the Royal Rumble as a surprise, but has not been on WWE television since. It's been kind of reported that he's kind of probably gonna take a back seat for a while. Uh, he has a child on the way, obviously with his wife Pat McAfee does. So maybe take some time, be a dad, and uh, maybe come back. Maybe do a dabble a little bit with WWE, but will not be at WrestleMania. Hasn't uh, the Rock so- come back a few times? He has, and actually, the big rumor Frank this year was that The Rock was going to come back and do an angle with Roman. Um, it looked more and more like that was not happening, and it's not going to happen. And then you'll find out why later. But no Rock, unless I guess, of course, there's a surprise. He just makes an appearance or something. Um, you're going to have other matches too. Which are the other matches that are happening? Sammy, Sammy Zayn, and Kevin Owens reunite. They're going to take on the Usos of the Bloodline for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Titles. I'm sure there's going to be a match we're going to leave off it. That's what's going on. Oh, Brock Lesnar and Omos. Frank will be tuned into that. That's yeah. his boy Omos. But Frank Frank already gave me – he already threw me the text. He goes, I'm not too pumped. I know they're going to probably put Lesnar over. My boy Omos yeah. is probably going to take that L. Yeah. Uh, who knows? You never know. But um, <laughs> they've had Brock Lesnar get beat up pretty much every week by Omos, which probably teases that Lesnar probably wins. So, um, But Frank's boy Omos. He, he'll, he'll, they're, they're, they're putting a big thing behind Omos. Even though he loses some of these matches, Frank, they still make him a big presence. So we'll see where that goes. Um, Gunther is defending the Intercontinental title against both Drew McIntyre and Sheamus in a triple threat match. Sheamus and McIntyre teasing a friendship that turned into a rivalry now, so that's where that's going. I, I expect Gunther to, reti- to re- uh, retain. There's a tag team like turmoil match going on. Not that I really want to mention the names. There's some other things. Stuff will probably be like a pre-show thing. Um, I'm trying to think any other. Oh, Logan Paul, Frank will wrestle Seth Rollins. Mm. Uh, this is this is your celebrity appearance, you know, Logan Paul. Um, Logan Paul's kind of knocked out Seth Rollins the last couple weeks, which makes me believe that Logan Paul's going to win, or not, not win, but Seth Rollins is going to win. But some people think Logan Paul could win. Um, I'm sure you'll be dived, delved into that. You told me you were impressed by Logan Paul's athleticism at the Royal Rumble. You know, for a guy who's not a real wrestler, you know, but he has the athleticism. Obviously, he boxed Mayweather before, so um, still has that athleticism. But I'm trying to think anything else we're forgetting off the top of my head. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. But any hoodles, the main event, Frank, this will be the Sunday match. Charlotte and Rhea, I think, are ending the Saturday night. But Sunday night, Frank, the main event, the one I'll be tuning in for. 
Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns will defend the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship against the grandson of a plumber, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. Frank, obviously, you know how big a fan I am of Cody. He came over uh, last year. His debut was at WrestleMania last year. He was the mystery opponent of Seth Rollins. Coming over from AEW, Frank, he's the first guy to defect from AEW over to WWE. And AEW was a company he helped build, Frank. It was a, mm-hmm. an EVP. So he gave all that up to come over back over to WWE, uh, finish a legacy. It started out as uh, the, the day after WrestleMania, after he debuted, he made it. There was a thing where Dusty Rhodes had the WWE title that he technically never won. He won the, he won the match, but found out he won by disqualification or countout, which means he didn't win the title. So Cody Rhodes has been kind of using that as his, his truck to the title. He tore his pectoral muscle. The, the the day of the or the night a couple of nights before the match against Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell uh, the spring so he's been out most of the year he made his re- return as you saw Frank a surprise return of the Royal Rumble won the Royal Rumble which allows him to face Roman Reigns Roman Reigns Frank is near almost a thousand days as WWE champion one of the longest reigns in WWE history reigns no pun intended <laughs> every pun intended but he's got Paul Heyman. He's got the 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 bloodline, you know, the Usos and 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 Solo Sokoa, the Usos' brother, and of course Paul Heyman, his manager slash wise man. But it's going to be a good match, Frank. I think the entire crowd is going to be behind Cody Rhodes. He's been doing this thing. He's called Finish the Story. He went he when he wants the story to end at WrestleMania with and have a Rhodes family member finally win the WWE Championship. They've been using Dusty the storyline because Frank Dusty was back. He was part of the NXT developmental program, which developed some of these guys that have become stars. And one of the guys who Roman really took a development or um, who Dusty really developed was Roman Reigns. So they've been kind of using the Dusty storyline to kind of get to Cody. Um, but we'll see what happens at Mania. I would love, I think it'd be a great way for SoFi Stadium to be rocking and they go off the air with Cody winning the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Or they could have Roman Reigns win because he's, he's close to the thousand days as champion. Who knows what will happen? I think it'll be a big letdown if Roman wins, but I would love to see Cody win. So that's the big main event, Frank. That's what I'm looking for. Um, it should be a good one. This is what this is probably one of the biggest star-studded WrestleManias in the last couple of years. Last year's wasn't too bad, but I'm looking definitely looking forward to this one. It's in Hollywood, Frank. You know, everything's bigger in Hollywood. It'll be at SoFi Stadium, and uh, we'll see what goes from there. Any thoughts, Frank? Anything you're looking forward to on that? Before I turn it over to you. Obviously, it's a big spectacle. Like you said, the Super Bowl of wrestling is again the Super Bowl of racing. Uh, you covered the Daytona 500, and this is a big event of the year in wrestling. And they're yeah, definitely excited. I mean, again, to see Omos, you know, the big, the big superstar. I mean, the Nigerian giant. I mean, he's just so so massive. And like, I think all things said, like he wouldn't lose a match if the you know if, if, if they didn't if they <laughs> didn't get in, yeah if, if things didn't get uh, you know kind of arranged, but. Uh, I think, you know, I think they, they might, you know, let him finally get his day in the sun and take out Lesnar. We'll see. But um, interesting to see, like you said, the main event, what Cody Rose can do against Roman Reigns. You know, Roman Reigns got to stay healthy this year. Last year he got injured versus Brock Lesnar. And um, yeah. we'll, we'll see how that goes. A lot of great women's matches, like you said. The two-day thing I don't really love. I think you should – I mean, it's kind of like really trying to just maximize the money. And it's just – it's hard to, like, commit the time to watch both, even if you're a diehard fan. But... Yeah, it's better than what they had in the past when, like, the pay-per-view would be, like, seven hours. And it's like, that's Yeah, I guess wrestling. it's too much for <laughs> one night. Yeah, so you have to split it into two. But – no, it's going to be a I'm, spectacle. It's going to be like kind of at SoFi. It's going to be a great, great you know scene there, and it's going to be definitely fun to watch. 
No, that was kind of not to try to cut your mm. your segment, your response off, but like I can't agree with Mark Madden. The WrestleMania should just go back to being three or four hours, and if you're not good enough to make the card, you're not good enough to make the card. Like, yeah, right. Like it's... I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's like they do this now so that everyone can get have their WrestleMania moment and everything, and I get that, but. And, and it's not going to go away. Those moments are watered because, down, though, because of that, right? So, well, I think the main, I don't think the main event is necessarily, but I just think like the, the overall event, like you can kind of get worn out. And I feel like you know, like they're not going to change it now because it's a money grab and they'll get yeah. both nights sold out. But, but uh, they they almost didn't last year. I know there was it was the one a couple of the nights they were up against it, which ultimately they filled up. But it's tough. I mean, it's definitely tough. And then we'll see what happens. These last couple of years, too, Frank, it's been in very warm weather cities. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if they have it on an April weekend in Philadelphia because there's it still a possibility chilly. of it. Like, could snow. be really chilly, rain, yeah. snow. I mean, you never know. I mean, the ring's covered up, so they probably don't care about what the fans have to go through. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, but it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, you're right. It's a bit kind of a money grab. It's a way for them to get some money. But if, if, if you're generating the money, they're not going to, they're not going to deviate from it. But, Here's hoping Cody Rhodes wins the title. It'll be a huge moment wrestling if he does. So we'll check back and see how it happened. And I'm going to toss it over to Frank before we wrap up. And I think he's got some some hoops to talk about. Yeah, and great segment, Bronson. And we'll yeah, we'll be excited next episode for you to break it down and go through all the winners for sure. But yeah, my final thought and to wrap up the episode is going to be and we haven't talked about it much. Uh, you know, between episodes of hockey and other other stuff is the NCAA tournament, and this year March Madness has been. You know, as mad as it's ever been, um, bra- bracket busters left and right. Um, I actually filled one out for a work competition and was in first place for a part of the first weekend. Um, I actually did really well on like the Thursday and the Friday, but pretty much by Saturday and Sunday, I was done because I had Duke and Kansas and. <laughs> It's just like all these blue bloods were losing, you know, uh, Purdue, a one seed lost to fairly Dickinson. It was crazy. A team that shouldn't even have made the tournament. They lost in the NEC finals, but the, uh, but Merrimack was ineligible to make the, the tournament. So they took the second place team from the NEC, which used to be Robert Morris's conference. They beat the, for the second time ever Purdue, um, a number one seed goes down. Um, Princeton, a number 15, upset number two, Arizona. So many people had Arizona going all the way to the final four, winning it all. Um, Houston was a number one. They lost in the second round, didn't even make the Sweet 16. Um, the only one I got right, Bronson, I was high on Miami the whole way. I had Miami in my final four, and they made it. <laughs> um, Jim Laranaga and company, that's the second team he's gotten to the final four. He led that Cinderella George Mason squad about a decade ago. Sure did. Um, I love their guards, Isaiah Wong. Um, so I was right on with them, but who could have predicted the other teams? San Diego State, Florida Atlantic. I mean, who's even heard of FAU, Florida Atlantic, the Owls out of the American Athletic Conference? Um, and San Diego State, who's been to the tournament, I've seen them make a sweet 16 or two. Um, but to get all the way to the final four and then UConn is a name that you kind of heard, you know, they kind of had some down years after Jim Calhoun left um, under Kevin Ollie, but they go to Danny Hurley now um, and make a final four. So um, Creighton made the elite eight print. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Princeton made that run. Um, yeah. The, the, you know, Gonzaga, um, UCLA, all these blue bloods, Kansas, Duke, um, 
Purdue not getting far. We had our Pitt Panthers make that little bit of a run. They won their first four game in dramatic fashion at the buzzer over Mississippi State. Um, impressive win. They, you know, they blew out Iowa State. They made a long enough run for me to at least have a good taste in my mouth. They kind of got ran off the floor by Xavier and Sean Miller. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought if that game had like a little bit more time left, they might've eventually caught them because they were starting to figure it out and get, get Xavier in foul trouble. Um, but Pitt just uh, was too one dimensional. And, you know, I'm glad the program's back to a respectability though. And Capel's got some recruits coming. I'm sure he'll be heavy in the transfer portal again and hopefully have them in contention again next year. But overall, Bronson, I mean, just, I saw, you know, every week on Facebook, um, ESPN updates, like how many brackets are left perfect. Well, I think after Friday, the first weekend, they're out of 20 million brackets. None were left perfect. Like it's just so nobody's ever done it. I can't wait till someday if some, some guy, some random schmuck can pick <laughs> the entire tournament. Perfect. They, it does more Buffett money. <laughs> they say, they say that it's like, you know, harder to win the or easier to win the Powerball and get like struck by lightning than 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 win this uh, than predict that than get a perfect bracket. They said only 37 out of 20 million have the exact fa- final four right. Yeah. 37 this, this I, it's crazy. Let's say this is the this is the first year since its inception that that none of the number ones made the elite 8. You the right. That. Yep, uh, no ones in the Elite Eight, first time ever. First time ever, no top three seeds are in the Final Four. Um, yeah. At least one, at least one, two, or three seed. Um, and 37 out of 20 million, if you think about a needle in a haystack. Crazy. And that the, somebody said it's got to be 37 Florida Atlantic fans. You know, that just say, oh, my favorite team's Florida Atlantic. I'm picking them. And then I randomly got San Diego State, Miami, and UConn right. Um, how do 37 people get that right? It's crazy. I'd like to talk to all of them and see how they picked that final four. And of course, I'm sure they're all winning their pool, wherever they're at. <laughs> um, I, I should go onto the, the ESPN leaderboard and see if I can see if anybody has it completely right. See one of those 37 people who's leading like the nation on the ESPN leaderboard. But, um, no, it's been a wild year. I've been, you know, I watched a lot of the games it, same, same as always, a lot of good buzzer beaters, a lot of good upsets. Um, there's always that 512 or 314 or 413 that, that ends up being an upset. And, you know, no disappointment this year. We had Furman upset Virginia. And like I said, Princeton upset Arizona. We had the 16 over the one with Purdue losing. And then in the second round, we had an eight, an eight beating a one, um, a couple eights beating ones. Uh, so just every year it gets to the parody gets closer and closer. I feel like the transfer portal is doing that because I think, I think the, it's going to be hard to have a dynasty anymore because if, you know, really good players that are sitting the bench on some of these teams, you know, oh man, that team's so deep. That's why they're good every year. Well, guys are going to transfer out yeah, the transfer and, portal. and go to like other teams to make it kind of like even out. So if they don't change this transfer rule and keep like the COVID rules, like it's been, I think you're going to see this parody every year and it's going to be, I mean, it's kind of good for the fans. I don't love all the transferring, but if it makes like the, the level of play e- e- even out, it's going to be, you know, great, interesting, you know, 
fun to watch every year where it's unpredictable and anybody can win it. And like, maybe like a team, like a pit could get hot and like make a run one year. I thought this year pit could have made a run to the elite eight. I thought if they would have been able to beat Xavier, they, you know, then they get Texas and then they get Miami. Like it's teams that they've played, you know, they played Miami closest yeah. this year. It's like, man, this might line up and, and maybe in the future it will. And like, We'll, we'll finally, you know, we never got that final four under Jamie maybe. Dixon. Like, maybe we'll get one finally for Pitt. But um, yeah, he, had, he had a good run, too, at TCU. Yeah, I think they made the second round and were real close to making the Sweet 16. They, yeah, yeah they barely lost to Gonzaga. Pitt. And it sucks because Pitt faded down the stretch. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, they would have had a better seed if they would have at least maybe beat Notre Dame and maybe didn't get blown out by Duke. And if they would have won, <laughs> if they would have won that Miami game, they would have been the number one seed instead of the number five yeah. seed in that ACC tournament. It was crazy right. how they fell from one to five. But no, that's all. I'm with you, Frank. I mean, I'm with you, Frank. I, I I'm kind of like, yeah, it's kind of somewhat like yeah, content, I guess, because like you know, at least Pitt made it and it at least went to the Sweet Sixteen. But yeah. you know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll like so we'll see what happens and like, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think it's a great building block for Pitt for sure, and the, and then and you know way to way to bounce back. I what four starters aren't coming back, right? So they're gonna have yeah. So the only guys coming back are those Diaz Graham twins, Fetty Federico and um, uh, Dior Johnson, who was suspended all year, should be back. He was kind of a, a blue chip recruit, so we'll see what he does. And then they'll they 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 have three spots open for transfer portal and then a good freshman class coming in, including Nellie Cummings brother from Lincoln. Park. Yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah, Lincoln Park in Midland. He's coming. So no pun intended. He's coming. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're, they're poised. To, I, I don't know if they'll be as good, but they'll definitely they'll definitely be in the upper. I think uh, fighting for the, you know, ACC upper upper tier and hopefully make a tournament again. But that uh, Bronson overall. Yes. So. This episode, um, you'll probably be tuning in Saturdays, the final four, Florida Atlantic against um, San Diego State. And then the night game, I think, is um, Miami and UConn. So you're you're going to have San Diego State or Florida Atlantic in the final game. One of those two are going to play for a national title against Miami or UConn. So it's just it's crazy. So enjoy that. I think it's on TBS. So. Um, yeah, Turner usually, has it. Usually on CB, CBS, but look for your local list. Oh, it's, yeah, it's under yeah. the same umbrella. Well, the yeah. thing is, too, Frank, it sucks because Nance said he wasn't doing the tournament this year. And I thought, and I was like. Yeah, like, he's, he's like, dialing it off. back. He's getting up there. And I'm like. I'm like Ian Eagle's going to replace him, the bird. Yeah, and I like Ian Eagle. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, we can't make a deal with Fox or something to bring Gus over and do this. Or something. <laughs> like, they, they bring, know, he's they the bring best. Ch- they bring Jay Billis over from ESPN to do it. Why can't yeah. they? Why can't they do it with Gus? And him and Bill Raftery and bring all those guys. I, I love those guys, but and I like Iron Eagle. He'll he'll do good. But yeah. I I just I don't know. If it ain't Nancy, I'd love to see a Gus do it. He, he gets so pumped and he gets so into it. But that's just me. But I I, I could yell at the top of my lungs, but nothing's gonna happen. So anywho. Anything else we want to say, Frank, before we close the oh, show? No, Bronson, up? just before we close up, uh, stay tuned in the coming weeks. Um, I'm sure Bronson and Mike and maybe all three of us will get on and do some more hockey talk. We'll be breaking down the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are around the corner. Um, it's that time of year where it starts heating up everywhere. Of course, baseball will get going. Yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs. Um, we'll have, you'll be talking about <laughs> XFL and USFL action. <laughs> <laughs> well, the NFL draft is going to be a special broadcast. Yes, I might yes. do live. We might have a live version of that. Um, and then we'll have, um, 
of course, more wrestling talk, more racing talk. Um, yes, so excited for a, excited for a, a fun spring and summer of the NLN Sportscast, where we'll break it all down for you. But uh, Bross, I'll turn it over to you to to send us off. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Thanks to Frank for doing the show. Like, so we, we tried to do an hour, and of course, we did like two hours <laughs> and much. So it's yeah. not a mini episode; it's definitely a full episode. But mm-hmm. I was glad we got Frank involved here, and uh, it's cool. It's cool that he was able to do this. And yeah, so just enjoy the baseball and enjoy WrestleMania, and we'll be back. To, and, and like I said, either Frank will be back, or and see Mike's been kind of touch and go lately. But we, I was great, great to have him. Uh, have him do the the hockey show, which I'm sure he'll be back. He'll definitely want he'll definitely want to throw his opinion here, Frank, about how the Penguins have been. So we'll be, look forward to seeing you guys back soon. Um, enjoy everything. Happy Easter. It'll be before Easter, mm-hmm. so happy Easter from from Frank and I to you and yours. And mm-hmm. so, and, and uh, as a tribute to Mike, he's not here. Till next time for Frank Conti, for his wife Katie, for Justin McConnell, Nico Rocco, everyone next level nerd. I'm Bronson Owens saying enjoy everything else, enjoy the sports. And toodles. Toodaloo. Toodaloo, that's what it was. Football, 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 tennis, hockey. Throw me the baseball. Now toss me the pigskin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me.